Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren, and with me today I have a very special guest, the one, the only, Jack Norris. Hello! <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me back. It's lovely to have you back on. Uh, you folks may notice that Jessica is not here today. She, uh, We are recording a little late uh, because of lots of weird extenuating circumstances, and Jessica works extra early in the morning. So I'm also going to try and keep myself close to the mic and my voice down, because she is asleep right now. Uh, we're going to go ahead and... Well, I guess uh, we can probably just say that... Uh, we, we talked a little bit before the show, but uh, how are you? I'm doing all right, doing all right. Um, uh, all things considered. Yeah, all things considered. We had, we had a, we just, um, Green Run and just had their big summit a few weeks ago. And so yes. that's usually a big, uh, where we get together and we sort of plan out our schedule and uh, pitch new products and come up with uh, various things that are going to be coming out. Uh, most of it's still sort of in the not to be talked about, you know, externally phase yet, but it was exciting. There was some, there's going to be some new stuff. Um, there was a, a was one project in particular that I really wanted to put on the schedule, and uh, we've, we've that got greenlit. So I'm looking forward to nice. that, and that's going to be for Fantasy Age. It's going to be kind of a, a big. It's going to be a big thing for that, um, and then that will probably spin off into other products and other projects depending on how it's received. And so it's a it's okay. a it's a big it's kind of a big deal. So I'm was ex- <laughs> I was excited that that got done, um, and then on top of that, I'm also. Um, I work from Diffius as their uh, their lead developer on the John Carter Mars RPG. Uh, I'm gearing up for sort of the phase two of that. I've turned in all the writing um, and design work for the the stuff that's going out in their sort of initial publish publication push, and so now we're on to the next phase of things that funded in their Kickstarter that they ran. Uh, so there's three books I'm going to be developing and writing a good chunk of there. And then on top of that, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff I've got. Um, I'm going to be working with Gallant Knight Games on their Zoro RPG and Ooh. some other. Yeah. Um, and I've got some other stuff. I'm always, of course, always working with Vigilance Press and James Dossie on uh, Tian Sha and some of the wonderful stuff they do. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty busy, honestly. And so it's been it's been a, it's good, but it's definitely been, you know, there's a lot of juggling, a lot of plate spinning in the going on. Um Ooh. Sure sounds like it. Yep. But oh, and also we're we're putting the last little review bits on Faces of Thetis too. Though that's mostly Woo! that is that is officially out of my hands. But I am of course help, helping go through things, um, you know, like um, uh, you know, like the various entries and stuff to make sure that they match up, make sure the art looks good, uh, mm. finding cool images and things like that. So very nice. That's super exciting. Yep. Very relevant to our interests around here. Yep. All right. Um, well, we'll get to Faces of Thetis one day, but for now, we're going to be talking about uh, a Fantasy Age book that I think uh, definitely deserves some special attention uh, for anybody who plays Age games. Uh, We're talking, of course, about the Fantasy Age Companion. Mm -hmm. Uh, This came out, was it last year? Uh, Yes, I I would... You, I would not be able to tell you right off the top of my head right now when last year. I couldn't remember either. But it did come out last year, yes. Yes, it's a very exciting book. It's really good. Yeah, I have it's, it right here it's a it's it was a it was a uh, a product of a lot of a lot of sort of uh, 
important parts that all came together into sort of one, you know, I mean, companion. It is mm-hmm. what it, it is what it says on the tin. Um, so, yeah, it's good. Yep. It's really good stuff, yep. and uh, very excited to talk about it. Yep, uh, I am too, because that's actually the first time I think I've gotten to talk about it since you know, in an interview since it's been released. I've done some some really. Written, so I've done some written type interviews and stuff, but I think it's the first time we've ever done. I've done like a a chat about it. Like, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've talked about it at, like, a couple, like, panels and some other stuff, you know, at various cons, mm-hmm. but as far as interview, like, an interview situation, I've not actually got to, like, talk about it. I think, like, certain chapters have come up in other mm-hmm. interviews when they're relevant, but this is, but as the book as a whole, it's, like, the, I think it's the first time, and if it's not, it's, it hasn't happened very often, so it's, uh, so, yeah, so I'm definitely excited to talk about it, so. Oh, cool. Very, I'm very happy to give you a platform. Uh. We'll, of course, be talking about it. Uh, this is a Dragon Age role-playing game podcast. So we'll be talking about what we can steal from it to play Dragon Age. There's a lot to steal from it. Oh, so. for sure. For sure. Uh, first things first, we're going to give a quick shout-out to a couple of our friends in the D20 Radio Network. Uh, the Dice Pool podcast has got uh, a recent episode that is covering a difficult topic that is close to their hearts. Uh, it is, how do they make up difficulty check difficulty of a check that is spontaneously happening during a game? Now, of course, these folks are playing what is the uh, uh, Fantasy Flight's Genesis RPG. And so... A little bit out of a little bit out of our hands, but uh, for those of you who do play Genesis, we highly recommend giving you giving it a quick listen. It sounds like it is a question that they get asked very often uh, around their show. Uh, they also have an actual play podcast for folks who enjoy Genesis RPG, uh, who would like to hear an example of play. Feel free to check that out. Uh, the good folks at Movie Defenders are celebrating their one-year anniversary with a two-episode special. First episode, which is already out, which has been out for a little bit, is Big Trouble in Little China. And I honestly don't know why they have to defend this movie. I, I, so, so I guess I, I'm guessing from the title, and I think this was mentioned before when last time I was on <laughs> that movie defenders are sort of like defending the movie. And I, I have to admit, when yeah. I heard, like, I don't really think Big Trouble in Little China needs defending. Um, right, it's, right. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's a very, it's, a, it's, I love it. It's one of my, it's a fantastic movie. Oh, but it's it a is, great movie. Yeah, but it is also very much the movie that it is, and uh, it mm-hmm. is, it is. That's actually something I think is very true of most John Carpenter films. Uh, I, kind of, I really enjoyed that it's yeah. like that the main character, quote unquote, the let's see, the big action hero is kind of slowly realizing that he is the supporting character yeah. in this movie that is, is really not his. He is kind of Wang's sidekick through most of that. And, <laughs> oh yeah, for and, sure. And he's he doesn't mean he doesn't do important things, and he certainly has his wonderful moment at the end where he kind of just you know pulls it out and does the big heroic moment. But uh, yeah. but he spends a lot of time in the movie being somewhat competent which right. i which i actually love and i think it's um i think that you know kurt russell is one of those actors who can do that incredibly well mm-hmm. and that's actually you know um i love kurt russell's uh, his roles in general i like his i like the stuff he's in now i loved it you know, i grew up with him uh you know in mm-hmm. all the all his action movies primarily but even his like disney films you know and so watching gotcha. him sort of grow as an actor over the years i mean it's just and then you know seeing him even pop up like guardians of the galaxy 2 and uh you know really? uh, yeah and um and hateful eight and so you know so uh, this you know kind of watching him just kind of play whatever he wants now you know it's kind of fun <laughs> very cool uh, that like sort of my squad goals when i get older is like you know to be able to be like you know in whatever creative field i'm fields i may find myself in my advanced age being like i just feel like doing this today and having somebody you know say yes let's do that so because because that's because uh, it looks like that's what russell gets to do and it's kind of great nice so. well good for him yeah 
Uh, so, I don't know why you guys need to feel like you need to defend this movie, but thank you. Okay. It's it's it, it deserves defending yeah, it, if people are being upset with it for yeah, some reason. I mean, I suppose it's possible, but I don't know. I'm, I, the, the only thing I could think of is, is I think there's a certain... If you don't kind of know the story behind the movie and you don't know mm-hmm. Carpenter's sort of deep love of the material that he's inspired by by it... I could see someone thinking that there's some sort of appropriation going on, but gotcha. I think that breaks down after a deeper analysis of the film. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that that's a and I think that that is definitely I think there are some films like that, particularly in the '80s, where they at first blush you go, "Wow, this looks kind of bad," and then you actually look at what was being done and you know you do a little bit of reading or whatever, or watch some old mm-hmm. interviews, and you start to realize that while well, obviously there are dated p- things, because you know I'd, I'd like to think that a lot of cases we do sort of evolve socially at least somewhat, uh, though sometimes I don't feel that way, um, but. Right. Um, you know that going forward there is sort of an you know there is if you set that aside and you kind of look at the period there is an element of you know well this this is you know actually has some very progressive elements to it you know especially for its time and that's been sort of a, a, a topic that's near and dear to my heart because i find myself working with a lot of lately work, working with a lot of uh, you know various source material that is mm-hmm. got its own sort of crosses to bear whether that's you know superhero comics or uh, you know, pulp fantasy or pulp sci-fi or, you know, various other things. And yeah, and I love it all, but there is definitely, you know, some of the older stories and stuff and inspirations can be a little, eh. and yeah. so, so, but there's a way of working with it. And I think you, you don't have to throw the, you know, you don't have to throw the, the baby out with the bathwater, I guess, to use like the oldest cliche I can think of. Um, right. And, uh, but yeah, so, so I think we're going to China. That'd be the only sort of defender I could see on that. But, you know, and, and maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe that is what they'll do. Cause I could, cause that's legit. And I'm also noticing that their second episode is Chasing Amy, which I think uh-huh. is a movie that definitely has some merit, but definitely also has some, like, there are some elements and weird relationship dynamics and things that kind of, I think you need to look at in the movie and say, like, this is, you know, I, I think that's a movie where the, sometimes the audience needs to be reminded and I see this especially with sometimes with modern audiences they need to be reminded um, what these characters are saying in this movie is not necessarily what the filmmakers or the actors think they're they're playing yes. they're playing a role and that role they may be an idiot you know they mm-hmm. may be they may be doing something really just ridiculous they may be you know a bigot they may be whatever it doesn't mean that necessarily the creator is not aware of that and I mean, I think it's kind of like how, you know, you don't need to be a Nazi to write Nazis. And in fact, most people who write Nazis as villains aren't because, you know, why would you write them as villains if you were? <laughs> so right. it's kind of, I mean, that's sort of, sort of like obvious, it's sort of obvious, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but yeah, so that's, but no, I think that sounds cool. But I, and I love, I'm actually, I think I mentioned this before. I, uh, I studied film for a while before I, uh, okay. before I went on to do everything else I ended up doing. Um, and so I've always been a big movie buff and I was like everything from like, you know, 1920 silent era all the way up to modern day. So I, I this de- podcast is up your alley. I may have to check it out cause I, I definitely <laughs> am a big, a big film, film guy and a big video game guy and a big comic guy. Um, I, it's, I, I've always been sort of this media consumption is my thing. So, um, but, uh, Sounds fair. cool. All right. Uh, well, uh, unless there's any extra tidbits that you can give us about Faces of Thetis, uh, we're probably going to go ahead and skip uh, the news section. No, other than the fact that I just saw we got I, we were getting the final piece of art in, and there was a really, really cool sandal and uh, fetic picture. But other than that, Ooh. 
Ooh, yeah, um, we, we recognized we didn't have a picture from the sort of well of resources that we had that we were happy with. And so we got a new one. Mm-hmm. Com- we got a new one commissioned and it looks great. And nice. we did that for a few of the characters. There were some characters where we saw art from like existing source and we're like, well, we're never going to do any better than that. And mm-hmm. then there were times, there were a few characters where we're like, you know what, this this guy, this guy or girl, or you know, this character, mm-hmm. this character needs uh, needs their a new piece. And uh, so there's kind of an interesting mix of old and new in the art. And so I, I guess that's really the only news I can give. Other than that, you know, there isn't much new in the book other than, you know, it's in its final, finally in its final stages of coming out. So excellent, very excited. Well. Uh, I guess we can probably go ahead and we're going to have a real quick uh, moment where we open our codex. Cool. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the codex. We've only got one question uh, from our good friend Snark Knight uh, through our email. It says, uh, Hello, Team Wonders of Thetis. I am currently GMing a Dragon Age game with some folks on Roll20. One of them is an Avar Augur apprentice who decided a character creation he wanted to be possessed by a spirit of love. He is working towards Spirit Healer. My question is, how should I portray this at the table? Should this spirit be an NPC with their own voice and goals, or should this be something the player dictates to me? And I, I, I'm really, I'm kind of sad that Jessica is not here with us for this one because I think she was really down for this question. Mm. It's uh, it's it's good, especially with her being yeah. the person who play who plays the spirit healer. Oh, okay. Um, when we played spirit healer, we didn't put a lot of emphasis on the spirit themselves, although it was kind of assumed that you know that the spirit had their own agenda, and that agenda mm. was basically spreading that uh, particular aspect that they chose to champion. So this could very easily uh, be the same case. Uh, I guess it would really depend on, uh, for the campaign, what the player wants to focus on. Yes, that's uh, that was actually that was almost my exact answer. Would have been like oh, what, what the what the player wants to focus on because mm-hmm. you basically look at and see, um, you know, what what especially with the spirit of with something like a spirit of love because I think that that can be mm-hmm. you know different people have different interpretations of what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the concept of, uh, you don't you don't want to, you know, it, it's a game. It's not a it's not a road, mm-hmm. it's not a roadmap or a script. So you want to be able to sure. you want to have a chance to role play and have some fun and have some unexpected things happen. But I'm actually a big fan with anything that has potential like pitfalls. Even if those pitfalls are, it's just not going to be interesting. Um, is to just you know have a quick talk with a player. And you know instead of and don't and don't you know get involved in a long back and forth you know like necessarily interaction um, you know sometimes it can be as simple as like hey can you send me an email with like three bullet points of things you want to cover you know in this mm-hmm. you know I mean that th- that stuff's great if you I mean you know or, or like uh, you know for anything one of the things I like to do for anything content that has a has an oppor- has a danger of be, kind of going off the rails whether that's because it has some sort of risque content or because mm-hmm. it just you know it's a lot of it's going to be one player getting a lot of focus you know in a group or whatever mm-hmm. is to kind of just give people like can you give me like three do's and a don't you know, can you give me three like th- three things you want and one thing you don't want, and I don't even care. Like, if you want to explain why, that's that might be helpful to me, but you don't have to. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and the example I always kind of use for this is like, let's say you're running like a horror game. It's Halloween's coming up, and it's a good good example for that. Oh, yes. And let's say you want to, well, you want to be it to be scary, but uh, you also don't want to be like traumatized. You you might want to traumatize your player characters. You don't want to traumatize yes. your players. Um, and so what often you know what I what I always suggest you know just ask people for like three do's and a don't. You know, and somebody and it, and people will just say, hey, yeah, man, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to fight monsters. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to fight like the undead or monsters or whatever. I'd love to, you know, um, you know, be. You know, I don't mind if my character dies. You know, or or is put in a situation where I could die. Like I understand it's horror. That's fine. But man, mm-hmm. I really like. I, I I really don't want to like be involved in anything with, like where kids get hurt because I just and, and and that could be a simple thing of somebody saying like I just had a kid and that like freaks me out. You know, yeah, or, yeah. or like, or like me. You know, my my, my wife does, wants to. Not, I mean, she will spoil herself on a movie to find out if like the animals are okay, and she won't spoil herself <laughs> on the rest of the movie. Just that, and it, and it won't even necessarily mean that she won't watch the film, but she mm-hmm. just wants to know because she's she gets she's she's like, oh my god, I, I I can't even you know think about it until I know if the dog's okay or whatever. And oh, for sure. um, a lot of times she'll ask me and I'm like, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I'll tell her if I know. But a lot of times I'll be like, I'm watching this movie for the first time, too. I have no idea. I can I can guess. I've seen a lot of movies. I can I can sort of see where maybe the plot line's going. But it doesn't mean I'm necessarily right. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think that's the way to go with it. You know, you just mm-hmm. kind of go, you, you, ask, you, you ask your players and you say, you know, give me a, a real brief, you know, a paragraph, a few sentences, a few bullet points. Um, and then, you know, you can always touch base, you know, it, it, it takes very little time to ask your player, mm-hmm. ask your player, how was that after a session and say, you know, did that work out? Do you like that? Or is that like, is, is that, is that working for you? And the player will either say, yeah, totally. Or I'll say, you know what it is, except maybe we could do this. And I think that that's, you know, can be fun, especially with something like spirit healer, where you're investing, mm-hmm. you're investing a specialization. So you're investing a cool yes. thing for your character that you, it could have been a different cool thing, but you've decided to go for this. So it should be, you know, it should hopefully be something you, you enjoy uh, and, and, and engage Indeed. with it. I mean, it'd be kind of like, you know, it, and I think that goes for, I mean, I think you can almost argue that for all specializations and specialization type content in, in Dragon Age and games like it. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to have, you're going to have sort of a limited resource, it's going to help define your character it's probably a good idea to know that you're get you know what that you're gonna enjoy what you're getting into and what you're getting into. Yeah. You know, if you get like, a chance to play it up. Yeah, if you're like you know, man, it's like I want to play a you know, want to play a Legion of the Dead, but it's never come up. You know, we haven't. I haven't even seen a dark spot in this game. We've never been to the deep roads. It's like, well, then maybe you don't want to do that in that game. Maybe you want to wait for the game where you do that. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's just that kind of thing. But but uh, and a lot of times, I think a lot of GMs are are thrilled to have a little bit of guidance. You know, you, you, oh for sure, you want to be. I able know to, I am. Yeah, I I love. I'm. I, it is one of the one of the easiest ways to just have people just make you give you a big old your ego a big old hug for the way you run games is you know ask them some stuff about what they want pay attention to it and incorporate it into the games and they will and people will respond positively to that particularly because there are people out there running games that don't do that and so if you do it and you give the players what they want i'm not talking about you you know give them handhold everything and let them let them win all the time i'm just saying sure. you just give them things that are like the stuff they're interested in and you know there will they will be just like you know telling everybody oh my god you know he runs such a great game and it's so cool and I got to do this and you know I really got to, I always wanted to play this type of character and I got to and it was really fun and I think a lot of that is just you know but no we're not you know, GMs aren't psychic 
So you have to kind of, right. at least I mean, most of them aren't. I mean, I suppose it's always possible. As but, far as I know. Yeah, as far as I know. Um, I've never met one who is. So, um, but well, uh, if we did, maybe they just didn't tell that's, us. Yeah, it wiped my memory. But uh, <laughs> There we go. That modify memory spell. That'll get you every mm-hmm. time. Uh, but yeah, so that's like, I think we sort of both like come up with the same idea from different spots mm-hmm. for for Snark Knight, the uh, the questioner that we uh, maybe not the questioner that we uh, we deserve, but the questioner that we got, or however that works. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the question, Snark Knight. I hope that hope that yep. helps out. Uh, and of course, for those of you out there listening, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, questions about lore, clarifications of all our old episodes, or anything else, you can send a message to one is the thetis podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Cot the Protector or Healer Puff on the Green Running forums, or a message, send a message to Cot or Lease on the D20 radio forums. That's me, and Jessica's not here to mirror me, but that's okay. <laughs> Next time. All right, uh, and uh, we haven't gotten to do this in a little while. We're gonna have a quick dip into the dissonant verses. Oh, cool. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. <laughs> of course, but. <sighs> Welcome to the dissonant verses, our fan creation spotlight, uh, and from Lizante, I believe that's how. How we say it. That's I how typed I, it incorrectly. That's how I would probably say it. So, uh, Lizante from the Green Running <laughs> Forums uh, pr- created smithing rules. Uh, they mentioned that there that they had a player who wanted to make their own weapons and armor, uh, and wanted something a bit more interesting than just go ahead and roll me a, a strength smithing yep. check. So they went ahead and uh, homebrewed a bunch of rules for crafting their own weapons. Uh, and now there's a smithing talent that's available uh, through a PDF that we're going to make uh, linked uh, through our resources for your game page, as oh, cool. always, and in the uh, and the blog post for this episode. Nice. Uh, they may be updating these rules, so feel free to take a look and offer some feedback through the link on the blog post uh, for this episode. Well, actually, through that link, you'll just find the PDF, but you'll want to find the forum post. But it just says smithing rules, so mm. nice and easy to find. It's really cool. Uh, I mentioned them check out uh, Blue Rose, because Blue Rose has got some rules for crafting masterwork yes. weapons specifically, which I thought I was I was really excited to see, and I thought they were really cool. They, they also, uh, by because Blue Rose uses uh, weapon classes as opposed to specific weapons, if mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out, um, it, I find it's a useful thing to look at if you're trying to figure out roughly how much damage a weapon that you don't have already in the game would do. You know, if you're kind of trying to figure out, like, well, how much damage would, the, like, this particular type of sword that I want to bring into the game have? It's not really a long sword. It's not really a two-handed sword. It's this type of weapon. You know, um, it, 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 especially if you're bringing stuff in from, like, different cultures that aren't always represented mm-hmm. in the games and such. So, I think that's fair. Yep. Grab some stuff that's maybe not particularly Western fantasy. Yes, yes. Maybe like, something like, a little I'm bit watching, Eastern. Like watching like a lot of Forged in Fire lately, and it's like mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of that. Like it's like various like African and and you know Southeast Asian weaponry, and uh, you know a lot of it is you know is just a sword with a slightly different you know a thing. But there are a mm-hmm. few unusual thing weapons that if you wanted to sort of put that in there and have that inspired in some fashion, maybe you wanted to create a variant of you know of part of the continent's not usually explored or whatever and kind of put your own spin on it um mm-hmm. or that you know having that you know it, sometimes it can be useful to kind of be able to make even little changes to the gear can can seem really flavorful so well for sure 
So of course you can find this submission and more archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, oneisathetispodcast.wordpress.com, and if you'd like to share your custom content for Dragon Age RPG, or honestly, at this point, any any of the Age games, mm-hmm. uh, send a message to, well, all the places that I just rattled off. <laughs> I don't know if anyone wants to listen to that quite so many times, uh, although I like to think that I'm getting fairly good at it, just need to make sure I'm not swallowing the words. Right. All right. Let's see. Well, I think it's about time we add the companion to the party. Yes. Uh, well, so why don't we go ahead and check out our main topic for today? All right. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So, hopefully you folks out there know all about Fantasy Age, Dragon Age's first, I call them sister RPGs, is that a a reasonable term? I I think it is. I think that one thing that is, that I think, you know, about the Age games that I think people should be aware of, and and, and we always try to tell people this when they ask at conventions or whatever, is Mm -hmm. we aren't, it uses the same basic system, it does not use the exact same system. And yes. there is there are differences in iterations, there are differences in stats, there's differences in focuses, uh, there's difference in certain like stunts and elements of the game. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. rules are rules are subtly but different, or but uh, also sometimes uh, different in important ways. Um, for example, the Expanse RPG that's being developed right now has a completely different health mechanic than any other any of the other games have had. And I it's, heard about that. Yeah, and it it's, it's curious. Uh, it's it's I'm I'm stealing it for some other stuff because it's a great idea. But basically, the idea is that you know when you have something based off of sort of novels and sort of modern drama, um, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's less about the character taking necessarily physical damage, though that is obviously a thing, and mm-hmm. more about sort of their fortune, like you're running out of luck, you know. And 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 really, when you when when the character dies, a lot of times it's like they've run out of luck. And so um, there's going to be an element of this sort of, well, you know, you can take damage in ways that are a little more atypical. Um, it also allows you to mimic things that happen in, in sort of sci-fi action games, like, like uh, The Expanse, where you don't necessarily take a bunch of hits before you go down. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, you deal with big weapons and nasty attacks and radiation and exploding starships and all this stuff. Ooh. And so, you know, it's very possible that that's the end run of a long slow you know degrade of your fortune your fortune until you just have no more luck left to save you and so mm-hmm. that's going to be sort of the the health is going to be sort of replaced with that in that regard which would work great for like a horror rpg um Ooh. Ooh, yeah but sure. it but it wouldn't necessarily be what you'd want to see in certain other games and so um you know there we, there have been a lot of talk we've had a lot of talk recently about age and also uh, about chronicle the system that was used in um, uh, for Song of Ice and Fire, uh, another mm-hmm. of, another of our in-house systems, and how we we've decided we don't ever really want to make generic rule sets for them, um, mm-hmm. even if we're doing something like Fantasy Age or Modern Age where we're talking about a particular sort of meta genre, we still don't yeah. want it to be a we we really don't want it to be a its own thing like that's like oh it's just a generic rule set and they all work the same. Um, like a like a GURPS kind of thing. Y- yeah, exactly. And nothing wrong with GURPS. I played in some sure. pretty cool GURPS campaigns when I was younger, but we're just just not what we were aiming to want to do. And mm-hmm. um, so that's my sort of general, you know, I, uh, sort of informational sort of pitch slash informational sort of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
but yeah, so um, so that's so that's basically you know the age in a nutshell, basically for mm-hmm. the system. So I think sister game is a good one, you know, or or, or you know game sibling, or you know, I mean, and again, I wouldn't even call them spinoffs because a lot of cases the games are um, they're of equal footing. They have their own lines and their own yeah. stuff. But it, but it is definitely that you've got you know if you know the basic rules, you're going to have a really easy time picking up any of them. Mm-hmm. But you will still want to look at the rules because there are going to be some differences. And yes. but again, that's going to be a pretty fast and easy adapt- adaptation. I, I've, mm-hmm. I anybody I know who's played Dragon Age picked up Fantasy Age very easily. Anybody who's played once you get the stem points yeah, down, people then. people play Blue Rose and they go, oh well, yeah, Blue, Blue Rose. And then they played Modern Age and boy, that was real. That was a real easy transition, or you know what have you. So good times. Glad to hear it. So, Fantasy Age, of course, includes a few specific tweaks to make it a bit more general in use than the Dragon Age RPG is, because Dragon Age RPG is, of course, its own setting and has its own uh, requirements, like demon possession. Yep. Uh, is a big one, and and magic is done a particular way, and it and it's and that's mm-hmm. and magic is is done a particular way because it's part it's heavily ensconced in the IP of Dragon yes. Age, and I think that that's you know that was always kind of the way it was even back in the day when when uh, they were, when Green Ronin was working, and this is before I joined, when they were working on doing Dragon Age, you know, at the same time as the first game video game was being developed. Yeah. And you know, way back know, machine, right, two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. I think it's two thousand nine. I, I've slept since then, but I'm pretty sure that it is. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's it's about 2008, 2009. It was it was a long time. Yeah. Ago. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's not quite a decade, but it's 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 getting close. Mm-hmm. Oh, the 10th anniversary of Dragon Age is coming up. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and uh, and of course, and and then and at least over at Bioware, they're working on a, a Dragon Age five at some pace. I don't know when that'll be out because they're they're mm-hmm. also pushing for Anthem, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, yeah. Um, excited for both. Yeah, well, yeah. More I'm, excited. I'm more excited for Dragon I'm Age. I'm interested really, to but, see what uh, I'm interested to see what Anthem is because while yeah. there are some things in it that don't exactly light me on fire in terms of the features they've said, mm-hmm. the concept is one of those like yet again Bioware shows that it comes up with concepts for games that could have basically just been tailored made made for me. It's like oh, you want to <laughs> put on a, a big robot a big robot suit and go fight giant kaiju like monsters? And I'm like yes, please. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's and and so that's kind of a. Uh, you know that that's so that's kind of fun. You know, it's like, it's like, and that was you know Mass Effect and Dragon Age and you know all the I mean, all their games, Jade Empire, mm-hmm. Baldur's Gate, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Good stuff. Yep. You folks are working on getting that uh, getting that license for that Anthem IP, right? Uh, you know, it's funny. We actually <laughs> um, we, we we aren't, um, and uh, that's because we've got a couple other licensed games from other places that we're looking at, but also oh. um, because uh, you know we we want we wanted to do Mass Effect forever. And yeah. we couldn't. And what we found while working with Bioware, and they're a great bunch of folks to work with, mm-hmm. but the individual creative teams have a lot of input on what they want to do in terms of spinoffs and, and sort of licensed products because mm-hmm. they have to be involved in it. And yeah. the, the fantasy, the, the Dragon Age folks were really, really excited about it because they are really big tabletop gamers and really into it, and they wanted to see that. And you could probably the, tell. And the Mass Effect folks were less excited about it, and so they kind of looked at it as a lot of like it's a cool idea, but it's a lot of time and energy on their end, which mm-hmm. I, which is which would have been true. Um, and I, and from what I understand, Anthem's kind of in the same boat. You know, they're, they're kind of the same. Like, man, this would be cool, but this would be a lot of work. You know for for us to do mm-hmm. because they do have to approve everything and they do have to read everything yes. and i mean and that's um and that's time know, that they're I've, working on the game I've, i'm probably closing in on working on my i want to say f- 
thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth license game now. And um, you know, I, and everybody, and every licensor is different, but they all do have to have the willingness to get in, to be somewhat invested in what you're doing. And you know, depending on how much they want to be invested, it can really, it, it can really be a time because you know, RPGs are not even really successful ones, and Dragon Age has done very well. Um, they don't hit the same financial success that, quite frankly, easier to license and approve things do. I mean, you know, if if we wanted, if people making role playing ga- licensed role playing games really wanted to make money, we'd be making lunchboxes and you know things like that that people can just look at and that the that the licensors can just look at and go, yeah, that's fine. You know, you don't have to sit there and read through a whole book right. or whatever. And so. Um, which is why it's kind of amusing when you get the, the, the fans who get upset because if something isn't wor- right, and I, I definitely understand fans being passionate about stuff, but when they're like, well, you don't care because you're just making all this money off of it. And I'm like, man, if we, were, oh. if we were really, if we really, if we really wanted to make a lot of money off of it, we'd be making like just the dice or just the like, you know, like, or just like maps or something like that. Like mm-hmm. we wouldn't be going to the trouble of going through and saying, okay, you know, it's, I actually have to read this novel, this tie-in novel and mm-hmm. summarize it so that this character is properly portrayed because someone's going to notice and I'm going to notice too. Which, so let's make sure we get it right. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's a blast. I love doing it, but it's, but it is definitely uh, it's, it's th- that also means that sort of like a game like fantasy age can be kind of a wonderful break. Because there yes. isn't actually a, you know, there there, there isn't, uh, there isn't, I don't have to go to somebody at like, at, at an estate, okay? yeah, at an estate or like a major corporation and say, is this specialization that I put in okay? You know, because the only person I have to make happy is like the people at Green Ronin and then like myself and then ultimately the, the fans. But of course I have mm. to, that's after it's done. Because I have to get to that point first, so. Fair enough. So, uh, for those of you are listening, if you want to get some more deta- more specific details about what's different between Dragon Age and Fantasy Age, we cover it in episode 23. Yep. Feel free to uh, backtrack and check it out. Um, so and I'm, Fantasy sure, Age and companion, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about certain key differences while we're talking about the companion. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Companion is a source book for the Fantasy Age RPG, yep. uh, and I'll uh, see from a lot of the same folks who write stuff for Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, the, after the basic rulebook in the Bestiary, it's the third book in the Fantasy Age line, and it is soon f- to be followed by the Campaign Builder's Guide, which we may have to cover later. Yes, uh, fun fun fact, I believe the Companion is the book I have written the most words for on the Fantasy Age or Dragon Age in terms of age. Oh. It's, it's that or possibly the... F- it might. It's either that or the Dragon Age... Uh, core. You, the, Fair enough. It's, it's, but I think it even then, I think if you look at percentage of words, because obviously the Dragon Age Chords is a huge book, um, mm-hmm. I wrote more for the Companion than I did for anything else. So, as All a right. so, so, you know, talking about this stuff also, it's like I said, it's exciting because I've, I've done, while I developed the whole book, I also wrote a large chunks of it. So, All right. Well, I'm very glad to have you but, on then. Perfect. So, uh, while this is not part of the Dragon Age line, as we've mentioned, uh, the Age games are easy to pick up uh, one by one if you've grasped the basic mechanics of each one. Um, So you can very easily grab a couple of things from the Companion and add them to your Dragon Age games uh, if you see fit. We're going to be going over what is in the Companion for uh, Fantasy Age and how it can be used for Dragon Age. Mm -hmm. Um, 
The companion includes several new resources for not only things like talents and specs, but also for optional rules to make the game itself match the tone that you're looking for. Yes. Uh, most of these are small adjustments. Some of them are subsystems of their own. So take a good look and feel free to mix and match them. And uh, let's, let's see, the first bit is uh, what is in the companion. And goodness, honestly, really, what isn't? It's... <laughs> We try to this be. Thing we, we try to be thorough. Um, oh, for sure. This is yeah. chock full. Now we're gonna do a, just a quick rundown of what's in the companion. Uh, let's see. There's new races for Fantasy Age. New backgrounds. New talents. New specializations. New spells uh, for the Arcana that were originally in the Fantasy Age basic rulebook. Yep. And completely new Arcana. Uh, options for minor Arcana. Options for divine magic. Uh, honorifics. Membership and titles. Artifacts. Mass battles. Organization rules, vehicle rules, chase rules, structural damage rules, relationships, followers, options for creating and running NPCs, optional rules for making things more dangerous, rules for more cinematic play, rules for mobs and minions, and stunt packages. Uh, yep. There are she blows. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. It is. Uh, it is. And and, and it was, uh, it was you know, definitely... And, and also, as I'm sure a few people are aware, who especially your Dragon Age fans, a few of those are adapted from Dragon mm -hmm. Age for Fantasy Age. So, for example, yes. organization rules and mass combat, you've already got those. Um, yeah, you know, pretty much airlifted. It seemed, let's say, I mean, except for a couple of specific changes that I saw. Um, mostly airlifted from Dragon Age. They were, and, and that was intentional. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and I actually, I know some people, I know there was like one or two people who were like bothered by that. But that was actually, that was actually 100% intentional. And the reason for mm -hmm. that was um, I did not want to confuse anyone who was wanting to use the resources from a bunch of different age games that are compatible but not exactly the same and so when there were times when there was like so when we didn't need to reinvent the wheel we did not and that was well, I don't need a break you know, yeah. fix it if it isn't brick and so it's like okay we have organization rules those are going to be used basically the same we have you know i might change a, a slight presentation because of the setting but it's going to be basically the same you know mass battles rules are going to be basically the same membership and titles are very similar there, there's different titles there's different examples but yeah. they're there uh, honorifics you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, those are, and the reason for that is because, you know, for folks who have Blue Rose, they would note that some of the specializations from Blue Rose showed up in Fantasy Age as adapted. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, they're, when they, when they show up, they're incredibly similar. And again, the reason for that is, is it's not by accident because what we found when I, I, at one point started doing sort of tweaked versions of them and I had this thought that I would do kind of new versions of things and as mm -hmm. I st and that was very early in the development process and as I started to do it what I found was that I was having trouble keeping the, the straight and I realized that if I was having trouble the guy who wrote the, like both of them both versions was having trouble keeping straight which special which version of the specialization <laughs> was then then nobody else had a chance and I, I felt like, well, I'm not trying to trick anybody, and I'm not trying to make anyone feel upset. I'm certainly not trying to confuse my writer, my contributing writers, or any any of my fellow designers at Green Ronin. And, and then, obviously, I so don't want to confuse any of our fans. And so, you know, the things that were taken from, and and this is also sort of a, you know, a, a probably a, like I say, warning slash prediction, that when things are moved forward unless there's a compelling reason to change them they'll probably you know you'll see the same thing like if organization rules were to pop up let's say we did a i don't know let's say we did a, a, a dark fantasy spinoff for for fantasy age mm -hmm. um unless there was a thematic or stylistic reason 
to do mass battles, organizations, et cetera, differently, we would pretty much provide those rules in wherever they needed to be provided, you know, in a slightly altered the, the examples and some slight rewriting and then given over. Um, you know, and, and part of the reason for that also is, um, you know, I know some people are going to be like, well, I already have these rules. Why are you trying to sell them to me twice? The thing is, I don't know that. Um, I don't want to, to I mean, I, since they aren't, since they're sister games and not the same game system, the last thing I want to tell someone is, oh, you want organization rules by Dragon Age. But I'm running Fantasy Age. I don't, I don't need, I don't have Dragon Age. It's like, well, yeah, but that's where the organization rules are. And sort of, and so, so, th so there is some, by necessity, there were some repeats, which meant that when we put in new content, we tried to really do stuff that was totally new <laughs> mm -hmm. and really different. Yeah, some really good stuff. Yeah. Here. And that's why I think some people look at some of the specializations and some of the backgrounds and stuff and go, Real? wow, that's kind of far afield. And I'm like, we, I kind of wanted to go, you know, in addition to some, some staples. Uh, and we did the same thing kind of with the bestiary, you know, where, where, yes. I, where, where there were obviously were characters in the fantasy bestiary who are old, old standbys in fantasy. And then there were ones where I was like, I have never seen this in, you know, maybe it shows up in Pathfinder bestiary four or whatever, when they've kind of run through <laughs> everything else. 18. Right. Right. But, um, but it's, but not generally. And mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, and that's kind of been my sort of general Dragon Age slash Fantasy Age design theory is giving people things I think they'll use, but also, you know, repeating as necessary. But then when, if, if, the, but when I do repeat things out of what I feel is necessity to, you know, the theoretical customer that we have, I feel like for the customers that already have everything and are feel like they're kind of feel like they're being, well, I'm just buying the same thing over and again, I really want to give them different things that they're like, wow, I never saw this before. And mm -hmm. so that's been kind of, so the companion was really an effort to sort of embrace that design style, uh, kind of like how in the uh, Fantasy Age campaign, uh, campaign Builders Guide, the next one we have, you know, in addition to, you know, there's going to be people who are going to go, I don't need advice on how to do this or that or this. Well, okay, cool. But then we try to put some other stuff in there that you hopefully people will like. Mm. So, And there's going to be probably just as many people who will say, who will, you know, say, I have no idea what to do here. Right. Which is what we're, what that, what's that <laughs> section is there for. Right. Exactly. Now, uh, of course, not everything in this companion is very Dragon Age. Yeah. A lot of it, a lot of it can be Dragon Age. Yes. Um, but the, and there's also, of course, uh, something that Leona once said to us is that the more stuff you add, the more you risk it not being Dragon Age anymore. So this is true. just be cautious and be selective uh, and be thoughtful in what you're taking and adding. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we'll be skipping honorifics, titles, organizations, mass combat, and followers because yes. Dragon Age already has them. Yeah, they're right there. And it's good, but I mean, we've still got plenty of other ground to cover uh, with plenty of other extra and, ideas. And the and the relationship rules will be in uh, Faces of Thetis. Yes, yes, uh, yes. So that is actually another thing for for folks who uh, who are saying, "Oh, relationship rules." It's like you will you will be getting those Dragon Age fans in the next book. So, mm -hmm. um, so so that it's not something. So so while, it, while while obviously, I really think people should pick up Fantasy Age Companion and use a bunch of stuff. You're not. That's one particular thing you do not have to pick it up for. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I just want to say that just in case somebody's like, I want it for relationships because relationships are so important in Dragon Age. Yes, they are. We know. And that's why they're in you know, the next book. <laughs> yes, we so, know you so, kiss everybody right, in Dragon Age. It, you, we know what game we're playing. Yep. Uh, Bioware, Bioware romance uh, plot lines. I have spent many, many an hour uh, going through various iterations <laughs> of those in gaming. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, always, I don't know. I always end up in this weird cycle of... Me and see, I always end up sleeping with the elves, with the elf men. Uh, and if there's no elf man to sleep with who is interested in me, then I'm the elf man. I uh, I always end up with the characters that I 
really don't think that I'm going to end up with. Um, yeah. One thing that I do for, and this goes for Dragon Age and it goes for Mass Effect and it goes for all these mm-hmm. RPGs, uh, I will play through multiple times, as I think a lot of people do, but the very first playthrough I do, I do completely by the gut. I don't look up anything. I don't look at, like, I don't look up spoilers. I don't look at how to get a romance. I don't look at, like, for Mass Effect, I don't look at, like, how to get my optimal Renegade Paragon, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just play the character, like, what I think, you know, this is how I think my character's going to go. And what usually I find with the with the both relationships and also just with friendships, like the characters I really bond with, um, I am often, my initial impression from trailers and preview materials are usually not accurate. And the characters that I find myself just adoring are ones that I said, he looks okay, you know, or she looks kind of cool. Um, and, you know, for example, in the first game, um, other than the, uh, uh, other than the fact that she was voiced by the absolutely wonderful and talented Claudia Black, um, I would have I would have probably not said that my character would have ended up with Morgan. Um, but that's who I ended my character ended up with in my first playthrough. Nice. And um, and it's not the easiest romance to get. It can go a f- it can go a field a few times, but it happened and it was very like. And afterwards, I was like, no, that's legit. That's how that worked. Um, but then yeah, by con- by contrast, like you know in. Uh, my my carded dwarf in Inquisition ended up with Josephine, and I would have never thought that. Hmm. From my 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 grim my grim assassiny dwarf, ends up with the you know aristocrat, and it just worked that way because I was spending a bunch of time with the character, and you know I started to like I like her. It's like, it's like and so it just sort of nice. it spun off into I mean, this she's thing. She's great, right? And then but then by but then by contrast, like you know when I when I played a, a female character, then I ended up with Sarah, and it was because and again I wasn't predicting that to be the case. But it just ended up when it, because. But once I sort of got into the mindset of the new character, that was what what happened. Um, and that happens with me with a lot of a lot of games like Mass, you know, uh, the Mass Effect, a bunch of other games. And um, you know, I I would have never thought that like you know uh, Rex uh, Ordot would have been like my brother from my Krogan brother from another mother in Mass Effect. But it <laughs> but it really. But by the end of it, I was like, I'm like, I love the Krogan. They're amazing. And when I first saw when I first played Mass Effect, I said, okay, they're the big. Turtle, you know, turtle guys is kind of, you know, war turtles is kind of an interesting concept for, mm-hmm. for the visual design, but okay, whatever, they're the big tough guys. And then, you know, by the end of it, I'm like, like, I'm like, Rex is my boy, we got to go do, you know, we got to go help him. We can't just, you know, and, and that became, you know, and I think that's the strength of Bioware, the worlds they mm-hmm. build, is you really get into these. And I, and I hear people talk about their own Dragon Age cam- campaigns, and also Fantasy oh, Age yeah. campaigns, and they get so into it, and they're like, oh man, and I got, you know, and I fell in love with this character, and then there was this tragic romance, and it was this, I'm like, yes, this is awesome, you know, mm, so. Good stuff. Yep. I still have folks talking about uh, Pathfinder campaign I ran a long time ago, and I'm still very and still kind of a little surprised, but very delighted. Uh, I still have people talking about my old Seven C game and Feng Shui games from like college, and mm. I am not anywhere near college age anymore. So, but but it's just you you and and again a lot of times I am just borrowing stuff from you know other dramatic media for inspiration. It's like how did this plot line work? It's like oh, I kind of stole it from this old movie that nobody else had seen, but it worked out. So nice. Um, well, then no one can point it out. Perfect. It's like, it's like I always said, if when in doubt, if you're stuck for an adventure, just rip off the Seven Samurai. <laughs> yeah, for you sure. Can, you can do it in virtually any RPG in existence. I mean, it's 
it's it's perfect. Yeah, it, it is, and it's it's. There's a few other there's a few other stories like that, but it's like when people always ask me, they say, you know, what would be? I need a, I need an adventure, and I'm like, have you run the Seven Samurai yet? And they're like, what? And I said, have you have you put a handful of guys for hire defending a village from some horrible marauders or bandits? and defending these helpless people who have almost nothing and you're the only thing that stands between them and annihilation and it's just as much about saving the day it's also about kind of your role in society as heroes or mercenaries mm-hmm. or whatever you are have you done that yet and if they're basically people are like no i said then that's what you should do because <laughs> it works get to it because it works and you can put it together in like half an hour so sure. it's it's great and you can do it for i mean you can totally do it for i mean dragon age is, is built for it you know it's like oh, oh we're sure. gonna save the dark spawn the village from the dark spawn or or I mean, or, or yeah, i mean or anything but you know you but the dark spawn are like work fine <laughs> they're they're they're, mm-hmm. they're they're great villains and you don't feel bad about what you do to them so right could make it more complicated if you get like I don't know maybe like some misguided dwarven oh, yeah, like, uh, like, image, oh, like, Dalish marauders or Dalish marauders like or maybe the, the Quinari are finally coming to invade the Quinari, the Quinari especially in recent games have made the Quinari much less much much more um, uh, it, you know it's it, it's a lot harder to just kind of go go beat them, beat up on the on these like kind of weird looking horn guys because they've definitely mm-hmm. got a lot of personality and yes. um, and there's parts about their culture that are incredibly laudable and there's parts about their culture that are like oh well that seems messed up yeah. why uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway so yeah so uh, we should probably spin back into uh, yes. the companion so all right uh, f- first thing that they of course add are new races uh, fantasy age of course uh, has the basics, basic fantasy ra- uh, uh, races, um, yep. humans, halflings, elves, dwarves, uh, gnomes, and I was very excited to see you folks just had full orcs in there. Yeah, I was a big fan of, uh, I'm a big fan of just, I, I, I get why half orcs are a thing, but for me, I'm mm-hmm. always like, if you're going to put in orcs, just put in orcs, especially in this, yeah. th- this these days of World of Warcraft, right? If yeah. you're going to, if you're going to have people, there are people, there are millions of people out there that, that they're their fantasy role-playing avatar is basically an orc. So there isn't really a need to sort of, like, humanize it or detolkenize it now. Because most yeah. times when people are thinking about their playable orc character, they're, they're probably thinking about their Warcraft character at least mm-hmm. as often as they're thinking about something they saw in Lord of the Rings. So, All right. Plus, uh, plus, orcs, are, plus orcs are fun, and also Green, Ron- Green Ronin's first R- published RPG was orc. <laughs> so, which is getting its second edition right, now, right? Which is second edition is coming out anytime now, and uh, actually, I think it may have already come out, uh, but it's if not, I think it's, it's like, up for any, pre-order at least. I, uh, yeah, it's up for pre-order. I think the PDF is out, and uh, it is. Uh, yeah, so I mean, if we didn't have playable orcs, that would just be weird for us. You know, that's like, that's just like, be weird. Come on, yeah. The same reason the pirate uh, specialization ended up in the book with because of Heck free yeah. because oh, of free port absolutely. and everything. I would have been so like, it would be weird if we didn't have that. So absolutely. Very glad it is in there. And yep. we'll be talking about that one for yep. a little bit later on. Uh, so the first new race that they added, was that you folks added, was the Beast Folk. Yes. Uh, which I was very excited for. I'm planning on using them in my uh, in my Fantasy Age campaign. I'm, I'm a big uh, I'm a big H.G. Wells uh, fan. So Island of Dr. Moreau was always a, a story as a kid that I was sort of just thought was interesting. And so that combined with the fact that I just think Beast Folk are cool. Was a mm. was was it was an easy sell to put in there. Um, Good. It also gets you to a lot of other races. Like you don't need a lizard man race and a wolf man race and a cat man mm-hmm. race if you can do a really solid beast man entry. Which, there you go. And John Lighthouser, John Lighthouser did the the, the our races, and John is 
uh, a wonderful designer, a great guy, and he was uh, until recently was the masterminds developer for Green Ronin. So he, he himself has a lot of development experience. Nice. And so when so when he and so I actually didn't give him a lot of uh, guidance on these sections. Um, I, I helped develop them after they were done, but I told him I said, you know, make, here's what I want. Make them you know, make them cool, and uh, and he did. Very nice. Well, uh, the Beast Folk are, uh, as far as appearing in Dragon Age, uh, Beast Folk aren't exactly, at least to this point, known to exist in Dragon Age. No. But uh, with one exception, if you do some digging uh, and manage to find some very specific codex entries in the Descent DLC of Inquisition, uh, that there are apparently some reptilian humanoids in the Deep Roads. Uh, Got some I, serpent folk. I yeah, think. I, I always, I always got a real, um, and I, and you're right, they're just kind of mentioned. I always got a real H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's, uh, you know, serpent folk uh, Lemuria feel from those mm-hmm. ca- from those characters based on what little information we have, um, which makes them a little different from you know the way the default way we pr- we uh, present beast folk in the Fantasy Age Companion. But you mm-hmm. could, but you could, with minimal adaptation, could do the sort of scaled one characters in that Mm -hmm. um particularly if we assume and i think it's a fair assumption that if they show up in dragon age i'm just making and i and it's by the way there's no insider information this is just me guessing um Mm -hmm. i suspect that if we see the scaled ones show up in from the deep 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 roads they are not probably going to be the sort of grand cities of like sophisticated serpent serpent people no probably not they'll probably have fallen into some sort of regression and they'll probably be legends of how one day, that once they were this great civilization, and they'll probably be like sort of scary tribes of, of sort of like, you know, sort mm-hmm. of slinking in the dark lizard men. Again, I, I'll be happy to be wrong because that would be mm-hmm. really cool to, go a, be very cool. cool to go a different way with it. But because I've got that sort of Lovecraftian vibe from the entries from Descent, uh, mm-hmm. that's a very Lovecraftian sort of story arc. For an ancient for, sure. for an ancient culture is the is the whole we fell to the you know we worship the you know our gods were corrupted or we worship demons or we did something you know we transgressed in some way and as a result our civilization fell and we survived but we've been diminished is that is definitely a an arc and so you know if you wanted to do something like that in Dragon Age you know you could use Beast Folk to do Serpent Men very easily and that would yes. kind of give I mean you'd have to do a fair amount of lifting yourself to come up with that backstory and everything but at least from the option of the mm-hmm. race the races you would have them there so and then yes. of course the other thing would be and this is kind of what my Dr. Moreau thing goes into there's also of course always a possibility of crazy experiments you know, oh, yes. there's, blood there's magic a, is definitely you know, a thing blood magic kind of you, you know the, the architect you've got a guy whose name calls himself the architect um, and he has no, absolutely no qualms about doing anything he thinks is appropriate. Uh, it's really not outside their own possibility to think that he could kidnap a whole town or, you know, you know, a, 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 a city state of people and experiment on them. And instead of turning them into the dark spawn, maybe he turns them into like spider people or whatever. Um, so that would be a very non-canon Dragon Age thing to do, but it would be a very like I mean that that would be another possible usage for. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it's not too different, not too outside of the Dragon Age ball. No, it's it's really not. It, it's kind of and it's got kind of that fairy tale cursed beast folk mm-hmm. sort of element, which is something that pops up in a lot of sort of you know old tales and stuff and legends. So yeah. I think I think it's, it would even. have it, it would feel it would feel kind of legit even if it wasn't technically canon. So hmm. Dragon Age has werewolves already. Yep, exactly. And they're already kind of like a, a weird exception that I guess, I guess, kind of stops existing if you do the right things in Origins. But 
maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I keep hearing like, the, oh, there's no more werewolves now, and I'm like, eh, I, I just assume there are fewer. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm sure that I mean, if they could do it once, I'm sure there's some way someone could do it again. Right, exactly. Um, and you know, maybe that's what you want to do for the beast folk. Maybe yep. instead of werewolves, maybe there's some werewolves or something. Exactly. You know, fun stuff. Uh, and of course, there's always blood magic. Blood magic lets you break all the rules. And I usually think that a lot of the best uh, stories that come out of Dragon Age is when they break their own rules. Yes. Because a lot of the rules that they have labeled, like, nailed down for magic, like, resurrection doesn't happen except in these two very specific moments. Right. Uh, You can't uh, teleport over long distances... Unless you walk through an alluvian. Yeah, you can't, you can't do it. Well, and creatively breaking the rules is sometimes one of the better things. You know, it, oh, yeah. It, it, it's um, it's kind of like what I've, I've explained to people. It's like the, the really cool trick that you can, I can only do once, and it's not necessarily that I can only do it once because I can't repeat it. It's because it ceases to be so cool if I keep doing it all the time. Yes, and so that, that's kind of your, you know, you know, oh, I traveled, you know, we, we we found the ancient alluvian so we could make it halfway around the world in time to, you know, defeat this mo- monster before horrible things happened, and then you know during the battle or afterwards it shattered or whatever from the energies we channeled through it. Why did it shatter? It's because that's just not cool to do it more than once. And there's sort of it like makes it less special. Yeah, there is sort of the dramatic sort of changes to things. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, so next up in races, I think we got blooded. Which, yes, or which, which again, much like beastmen, are not really a race in and of themselves, but a sort of category of races. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this was a really clever idea. Uh, Blooded was one again. I you know John did the heavy lifting on it, but I was pretty I was pretty um, insistent from a from a general fantasy sense of wanting a fairly mechanically easy option for the people who wanted to be part X, whatever X was. Mm-hmm. You see it a ton in fantasy. You know, my sure. my mother was a giant. My father was a demon. My, you know, my 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 great ancestor was, you know, a dragon, and that that lineage now exists in my blood in some fashion, in some way. Um, you, you see it in mythology. Um, you see it. In, you see it. I mean, like you know, Thor, uh, from, from the comics, uh, at least the comic version of him. And also to some degree, um, in certain versions of the mythology is part giantist. And so, because his mother was a giant and Odin was his father. So you, you definitely have that element of the sort of half blood, half whatever. I mean, plus even Harry Potter, you've got sort of the half blood prince. I mean, it's not exactly what not exactly the same thing, but you have that, right. but you have that. And then you also have characters like Hagrid, and and so I mean you can really take that whole thing and kind of move beyond it. There's a ton of anime where you find out that like some oh, for sure for where you find out some character is part demon angel, whatever it may be. And or, so or one of those weird characters that are both somehow. yeah right or both right. <laughs> and and so what I um so so what what blooded really was that option and um and as of course it, you know Dragon Age doesn't have that exactly. Dragon Age has some and and the few characters that that exist that you might say fit into those categories are super important and really powerful. So mm. if you're going to use and, those, uh, you have to be careful. Very rare. Yeah, like Mor- Morgan's kid might be arguably a blooded. Ooh, that's a good um, point. But I, hadn't I thought about right, that. But there's a question of well, how dangerous does that make you? You know, I mean, you might even be able to maybe argue that. I mean, 
Morgan's probably not, <laughs> but, but but there are certainly characters out there that like you could kind of make the argument of like, well, if you've got if you've got enough sort of elder ancient god or or weird spirit or whatever sort of something mm-hmm. in you, there's always that argument that you could say I've got you know I'm 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 possibly a blooded, and um you know I mean I, I mm. and I think that that's so it's not really a canonical Dragon Age thing, but I think it could be used as at least a guideline to do. A lot mm. of stuff that would wouldn't feel out of place. Um, I actually and, might need to uh, consider using this for a future Dragon Age game because we do have one character, one player character. Our our, our campaign finished a little while ago. Everyone got to uh, level twenty, and we took down a, a big. Uh, let's say uh, I, I was running it, and we t- and the mm. players took down a big uh, demon uh, who was claiming to be the Elven God of Vengeance and. Right. Ten- uh, Claiming that he was going to get uh, get the elves back Thetis that they once yeah. had and make the the callous dwarves who did nothing to help us pay and of course take vengeance on the humans who would ens- the humans in Kunari who would enslave us. Well, and, or, uh, or another uh, another possible <laughs> another possible idea is like if you wanted to do we were talking about werewolves earlier and if you wanted to do sort of a variant on the werewolf Ooh. but didn't want to just do the straight Dragon Age werewolf, you could say like, that your character has been basically somehow like an ancestor or has somehow been like t- touched by Fenharal. Ooh. And you could have it Ooh, be, that, and you could have it be that maybe you're not a werewolf in the traditional sense, but maybe the the blood of sort of the you know the the elven wolf god sort of you know comes in to giving you certain abilities and certain things that makes you somewhat wolf like, and you know because of the way that they've now now we know the way this various sort of elven gods sort of mix um, mm-hmm. reality and legend in sort of interesting ways. That not everything in the legends is true, but not everything is completely untrue either yes there's also that element of you know different aspects of things so it's like you know what happens i mean you know it's kind of the idea of what what do you get when you know this creature's in the guise of this thing and it you know spawns a child mm-hmm. well what is that child is it like it's its parents true nature or is it like the the, the guise that it's in you know it's mm-hmm. and and i think that what we see with characters like flemeth and stuff i think we can argue that it's it's a little bit of both because, you know, Flemeth has got, you know, a bunch of forms, and she's, you know, I mean, actually, that would be another thing, too, if you wanted to, I mean, one of the, one of Flemeth's children could arguably be a blooded. Yeah, um, and it's half and whatever Flemeth happens yeah, to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, and it's like, you know, and, and that, so there's, there, there's definitely characters out there you could do that with, um, and then, and that, that's sort of a, it, it also could be, um, you know, you, you could have some fun with, this would require stretching the, te- the template, I think, mm-hmm. more than, Otherwise, um, than otherwise intended, but it could be done. You could do the sort of like you know dark spontated character that somehow manages to control it. Um, yes, and uh, th- like the awakened. Yeah, from, like, uh, the awakening expansion. Yeah, like the awakened, or or you know one of the other, or or even a character who's like maybe even not quite gone that far, but like basically, like I've got this in my blood, but you know through some magical device or alchemical, you know, or or like you know alchemical mister mister or lost blood magic spell or something, I'm able mm-hmm. to not it it's not it's it, it's t- it's tainting me, but it's not pushing me to the places where most people who are tainted usually go. And you know that's a and again that's a really cool character to have one of I'd in like a game that. yeah and 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 with and blooded characters are great great for that one of characters you know and I mean sh- I mean don't get me wrong absolutely nothing against like I actually think it's kind of cool that like D and D's moved to having like tieflings and stuff as like a playable race in some of their worlds where there's mm-hmm. actually like whole cities of them and they sort of have these weird like sort of social you know interactions but you know there is also something to be said for you know I'm the guy in the setting 
who's, mm-hmm. who's, who's related to this particular thing, and that's where my abilities come from. And it oh, does give I'm, the characters kind of a special feel. I never actually, I'd say, I didn't actually finish my story. Um, oh, oh, sorry. Let's see, yeah, but um, there was a, let's see, one of the characters who was in the campaign, uh, when, let's say, the, uh, I gave them three romance options, and all of them were kind of like trying to fight for her affections. She eventually picked one. Um, and uh, let's see, and eventually, let's, they, let's see, uh, she, got, she got pregnant. And uh, unfortunately, almost, uh, let's see, not too long after the, uh, uh, the Chantry, of course, by this point had noticed that she was a very powerful mage who's trying to start her own elven country. So they wanted to, you know, make sure that she was going to be safe. So they decided, they told her that, you know, she can continue doing what she does if she takes the harrowing and gives them some blood, some make a phylactery. Mm. Um, and unfortunately that meant that she drank a lot of very pure lyrium, uh, with a, let's say with a, with a baby. Um, so that baby we're expecting is going to come out very special snowflake. Um, so this archetype, this, this, um, the blooded, uh, race might actually be something to look at for making, making that kid have a, for giving that kid a stat block or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's blooded. Uh, yes. The, the the drac, which are sort of the the dra- the dragon humanoid characters, um, mm-hmm. which are very much. I mean, I I, I don't want to just kind say of on brand for Dragon Age. Yeah, they're they're not. I'm not going to say they're they're not just like Dragonborn from D and D. That wasn't its intention, but we did we did mm-hmm. recognize that characters like that were popular, and people like mm-hmm. dragon like characters in certain settings and certain things. So and dragons are special. So coming up with sort of a dragon race separate from the beast men and such was an idea that we had mm-hmm. um it, it i was excited to see them yeah i i like them um they probably aren't the the most dragon age compatible because of the way that dragons are which is funny because you know here they're dragon You're men, right dragon men like you can't put them in dragon age despite the fact that it's dragon age but because dragons are so important and very unique um there's always of course the blood magic uh slash For sure. um you know crazy like you know experiment option um, but oh, I think sure. in general, you know, um, the only other thing I could see would be if this would be a possible option for the scaled ones. That there's some that there's fair, some ancient there's some ancient offshoot humanoid offshoot of the dragons. Maybe they were a servitor. Maybe they were a servitors of the ancient dragons. Maybe they were rivals or whatever. They were driven underground. They had great cities and great civilizations, and they they, they warred with the dwarves and they died out. And that could be your, you know, your other possible way to go with uh, with the, Ooh, drag, like that. the drag. Um But that's but that's basically, you know, that's an that's an option. And I think if you were going to do it, you kind of just want to pick which one you're going with and go for it. Uh, whichever one feels more right. Right, whichever one feels more right. And because I don't know that will. I mean, I think we all, anybody who's been playing up on the current Dragon Age games, has a pretty good idea what Dragon Age, the next Dragon Age game is probably going to cover. And it's mm-hmm. probably going to have a lot to do with like the elves and the old gods and stuff. But uh, while I would yes. now that said, they did do the descent. El- you know, they did do the descent. And they did do that stuff. You know, on purpose. They so did maybe, leave us some very so, teas and very tasty. So teasers. maybe we'll maybe we'll see it. But I've also noticed that a lot of times those teasers usually take two or three games to before they finally come out. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm not so I'm not holding my breath. Um, Fair enough. Uh, so we, had the, we also have the Orions. The Orions were, again, people are going to look at, like, oh, they're the Warforged. Uh, and, and to some degree they are. But um, I actually just, this was one that I just really liked. 
I like mm-hmm. the um, it, they're an interesting. I'm not actually. I usually tend to play humans and like elves and stuff in fairly standard races myself in fantasy games, mm-hmm. but I love having those character those weird races around because one, I f- always have players who love to do- play them, and I find that they make the setting very colorful and very interesting. And yes. so uh, the Orions are basically for folks who haven't read the Companion are basically golems. They're they're sentient machines. They're sentient constructs. Um, mm-hmm. They're mostly in. They're by default presented as metal, but of course we know that at least there's one uh, stone golem in Dragon Age who is basically mm-hmm. a thinking, a thinking, you know, living person. Um, for sure. Yeah. So so I mean, so if you're looking to do something like shale, this is probably the closest. And interestingly enough, I mean, you know, the, we never put options for playing a character like shale into Dragon Age because he was unique. And we were, and, and we were kind of, and we were kind of like, if we put him in as a as a background, people will have to, it will diminish the uniqueness of that character. So he wasn't put in as a background because of that. Um, so this is kind of your way if you wanted to play something like that. Here's your, you know, here's your 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 inroad on how to do it, um, and and also to make it fairly but fairly uh, balanced. There's a couple alterations you need to do, but it's generally mm-hmm. um, it, it, it works out pretty well. So yes. So for folks who are hoping to play that uh, that sassy gal shale, please yep. say, yep. take a look at the Orion. You might, you know, to, uh, especially because um, a lot of folks mentioned uh, a lot of folks who played Dragon Age kind of looked at shale a little weird. Like, well, I'm casting heal on her. Mm-hmm. What? She's made of rock. How is this working? Yep, cause, but, because it, because uh, it works know. as well. I mean, it kind of. We, and we talked about sort of with the spirit healer. Mm-hmm. Is it? It's how healing works. Is isn't just as simple as like knitting up bones. And yeah. it's and so it's like you know it, it, you you couldn't heal a. You couldn't heal a stick, but you can heal, you know, but you could heal a person of living wood, probably. Yeah, you know, so sure. And so CL kind of falls into that thing. You can't heal a stone, but you can heal a person who happens to be made of stone. Um, yeah. So. And the Orion uh, race happens to include a, a special quality that does exactly that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Um, cool. So that and that is the races that we have. Um, mm. Oh, and um, take a look at the race table benefits because you might need to swap out the black powder weapon group. Uh, you might actually, we... and you might want to just look. Obviously, because of slight differences in in focuses and other things in, yeah, and and also stats. Um, you're going to want to look at all of those. You know, you're going to like, for example, mm-hmm. there's a fighting and an accuracy stat in Fantasy Age, and the, we dexterity and strength is used instead in Dragon Age. So when those things pop up, you're gonna you'd probably want to make some alterations to those tables. They're very easy. I mean, you can alter them very yeah. quickly. You probably wouldn't even have to necessarily sit down and write down and do it. You could probably do it by eyeballing it. But it is, be, mm. it is, but it is sort of a warning of like if you're doing it, you know, you roll it and you go, wait a minute, plus one fighting. What the hell is that? It's like, well, that's a that's a fantasy age stat. You you would want mm. plus one strength or possibly plus one dex depending on the, yeah. the character concept. So, perfect. So, uh, Fantasy Age includes a very large number of backgrounds. I yes. think you like uh, doubled the number that were in the original uh, core book. Yeah, we did. Um, we, we kept did. a couple and then added several. Yeah, we, we, we really wanted to. I mean, the original ones were very much sort of, I, I mean, not to disparage them, were very standard fantasy. And I mm-hmm. wanted to sort of expand, um, keep the sort of wide, broad spread fantasy, but I wanted to allow for some concepts that weren't quite so sort of Western European medieval facing. Mm-hmm. And um, and and obviously, you know, while, while still meaning making them sort of generic, because they kind of because I don't know what someone else's game is going to be. Yeah. You know, like for Fantasy Age, it's like you know, in the Fantasy Age core book, when we talk about campaign building, you know, we have all these examples of possible games you could run. And I mean, I, and I, I, you know, the examples are everything from people's sort of homebrew fantasy systems to like running using it to run like Arthurian myth. 
So, you know, I don't necessarily know how backgrounds and everything are going to, you know, work for everybody mm -hmm. at their table. So we tried to kind of aim as wide as we possibly could. Um, yes. Now, um, backgrounds in Dragon Age and Fantasy Age do work a little differently. Yeah. Uh, backgrounds in Dragon Age are a bit wider in scope. They include both, you know, like... They're, uh, they're a big they're, old template. Like, like yes. your, your, race, your race and your background together in Fantasy Age are a lot like your just your background in Dragon Age. Mm -hmm. Background in Dragon Age yeah. gives you all your languages, yep. it gives you focuses to pick from, and it gives you your character's, your character's race. So, uh, feel free to, so, uh, these backgrounds, I think, can still be useful for folks who maybe, they look at the backgrounds and think that, uh, the backgrounds that are offered don't quite match the concept they have in mind, so they can use these to kind of swap things in and out to, uh, fine-tune it. Yeah, that, that, actually, that's, I would think, probably the most useful thing for them, is that when you're looking at, say, your, uh, I don't know, like, your, your particular, like, character from a particular region, you know, let's say... Mm -hmm. Say Navarre, Navarra. Um, Navarra is good. Um, you might say, you know what? My concept for a guy doesn't quite fit what I'm getting out of this particular background, but I want to be from there. So I'm going to swap out these elements for these elements over here because my character has more of that background. And so I'm going to take these focuses instead or this slight change. Um, and again, I think ultimately they're probably minor mechanical tweaks, but I mean, really the section can just be really useful to kind of get your brain thinking on that stuff and For giving sure. you examples I mean, and guidance on how to do it. So, I mean that, uh, honestly I could work with that Navarran example. Cause I just saw the church officer, yeah. uh, and like maybe you're part of the mortalitasi. I mean, right. yeah, exactly. That? Exactly. Yeah, it makes it, it makes it perfect. Uh, a bit more just picked Navarre because they're actually like for for reasons right. that I'm not even sure they're one of my favorite little nations out there. I don't, I just I, really I, I just find them interesting, and it's one of those things where I it's it's just a you know I think that's a thing everybody has where you you know when you when you're in it when you get into a setting you've got that one you for you have the things that you like and you if pressed it would be hard to explain exactly why you'd be like and and Navarre one of mine where I'm just like really just always mm -hmm. thought they were cool. <laughs> I mean, my thing is my thing is Orzammar. Um, Orzammar is pretty awesome. I love I love the dwarven uh, political structure. Oh, for sure. It's so I, th I think it's really cool. I would never want to live there. It um, sounds like an awful place to oh, be. Oh no, no, it's not, it's not like I love it. But it, it. But from a from a sort of creative standpoint, it's it's, it's really interesting. Exactly. Um, so that's basically backgrounds. Um, then we have new talents. Which mm -hmm. are we I don't, think there's four or five uh, uh, like four, talents that were just kind of standing on their own. You know, we, we we did not make a bunch of new talents, and that was intentional because there were already a lot of talents, and I just you know I don't want to put in something for the sake of putting it in, yeah. and so you know for so the stuff that went in there went in there for you know because it was I felt it was missing or I felt it could be a, a nice addition. So for example, you know when I was looking through and I saw that there was uh, quick reflexes, I was like, well, why don't we have a, a like a strength-based one? You know, so that's where I, I put my... Mighty Thews. Mighty Thews, which is a, a, a really, really, <laughs> really vague Dresden Files reference. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Because there's an, there's a, um, there's a, uh, there's a bit at the end of uh, one of the Dresden Files books where he goes, the, all the werewolf, the young, the teenage werewolves that he befriends, they have a, a, a game night where they play D&D &D, and he shows up he gets invited because he, you know, some friend of his says he never gets out, and he goes and um, he sits down 
uh, to play, and he's like, I need Thu's, I need mighty Thu's, and they're what? And they said, well, I'm not gonna, and they said, we thought you said you thought I'd play the wizard. That's what I do all the time because because in the Dresden Files books, he's a wizard. Yes. And so um, he's oh, like, I love it. He's like, so I'm gonna play like a barbarian or somebody. I don't want to think. I just want to hit things. So I, and I know that like I don't know much about how this game. I don't know these game rules, but I know I need mighty Thu's. And so that <laughs> so that combined with sort of the sort of sword and sorcery nod of that sort of terminology was where that particular name came from, um, nice. which is really my insight into a lot of things in books that I work on have these like sort of like inception level pop culture references Perfect. and it's just I'm gonna a, need to tell my friend Molly she's gonna be so happy it, to hear that it's that's just, where that game came it's from just a, it's just a thing like for example in, in Tian Sha my Wuja game there's a uh, there's a blind lawyer who knows martial arts and can use like his advanced martial arts skills to uh, you know uh, compensate for his lack of sight and he's become sort of a crusader in this particular neighborhood where he's in that he protects and his partner is this uh um, sort of chubby little like solicitor guy who helps him out, mm-hmm. who is basically whose whose name whose nickname means Foghorn because he um, because he snor- because he snores so badly, and um, that's you know it's Foggy Nelson and Matt Murdock from Daredevil, and that was and that nice. was just me basically saying, and it was just a throwaway bit. It's like one paragraph in the book, but it's like I just really wanted that in there, and so I do a lot of that, like or like you know I did one of my one of my I've done villains based off of like obscure Batman inspired by like obscure Batman villains, or I, wrote, I once wrote a adventure based off of a Mash episode, um, like the like the basic plot. Um, so and so there's a lot of things in there. Like if you see like a weird sidebar, or a weird thing, and like that sounds inter- that sounds in- like that looks weird. There's a decent chance that there's like a like a three D pop culture reference that for it somewhere so, fantastic yep. i'll keep that in mind <laughs> so uh so that was yeah um, but, but so yeah there's only a handful of talents but i think that they're all were i think it was good i think that they were they were yeah. useful and they were they were i'm trying to remember i don't actually have them right in front of me right this instant uh, I, I accepting know, uh the only one i thought that wouldn't fit very well for dragon age was probably firearms style. i i agree the only thing with firearms would be that if you for some reason wanted a and i i don't think this is necessary by the way but if you mm-hmm. really, really wanted a crossbow separate, uh, separate talent from archery, and again, okay. and let me say, I don't think that's necessary. But 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 for someone who wants that, um, you could use that for inspiration. Not direct. You couldn't directly adapt it, but you could. Um, like maybe like if you wanted to give like a, a Varric character kind of his own special like talent. But again, that is literally like the only real usage other than just breaking cannon and throwing guns in now there is mm-hmm. also the fact that we do know that dwarves have explosive powder so mm-hmm. and you know the canari definitely right have explosive and and powder. and so do the quinari so we may see I, i'm i won't ever be surprised if somewhere down the line guns don't show up in dragon age but mm-hmm. they but there have been no indicator that they that they're there yet and so until they are i mean basically they're they're not really it's not really appropriate canon to, to throw them mm-hmm. in there. We're and gonna ex- have uh, we're just gonna have a terrifying moment where Kunari's walk up to a Tevinter mage, and the mage thinks that he is looking all smug because he thinks he's got this, and then there's just a bang. Yeah, just the Quinari, oh, oh no! Some some like some uh, you know, some one of the Quinari agents is like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't. Uh, you know, pulls a gun on him. He's like, "I don't kill with my gun. I kill with my heart," and like blows him away or whatever. It's like, yeah, there's gonna be a, that you know moment. Everybody's gonna be like, "Oh my god, that was badass," but oh, uh, but but at the same time, it's like you know that also may never happen. But um, but I wouldn't be surprised if and and, and, mm-hmm. and that's one of the nice things about um, 
the Dragon Age setting is buried in all of in all this stuff is things you can do if you want. Um, yes. They're they're not you know there's there's a lot of things in there that aren't canon, and if you're trying to run a strict canon game, and certainly if you don't want to like accidentally throw somebody off or make them think like what the heck is you know trying to stick to canon to kind of keep the context and like you said like you said mm-hmm. earlier keeping it Dragon Age. Um, but if you want to go afield, you certainly have the ability to go afield because there are sure. a lot of elements in there um, to work with. Um, yeah, so the other ones are uh, yeah, Mighty Thu's, uh Performance, which is our sort of, um, it's adapted from a Blue Rose, which is a much more involved bardic sort of um, performing arts thing, whereas opposed to, mm-hmm. the, opposed to the musician talent, which I'll be honest, I was never particularly fond of. And I discussed mm-hmm. that. I discussed that in the... Um, uh, the the a sidebar in the companion, and I suggest yes. I suggest some alterations to do. Um, there's the uh, great endurance, which is again we're back to that sort of if there's going to be a reflexes based one and there's going to be a strength based one, I really feel like there should be a constitution endurance based one, uh, particularly mm-hmm. for those folks who really want to play games. Not everybody does, but really want to play games where sort of you know travel and moving obstacles and long treks aren't just the things you cut away from, but become sort of their own, um, their own thing. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, like, like the sur- journey is just as much the adventure right. as the destination. Um, you know, and the survival of like, you know, we, you know, we've got a long winter ahead of us and, you know, I'm in the, you know, I, or, you know, the guy who carry, you know, treks through the mountains carrying his wounded friend or whatever, you know, these are the ability, yeah. those, these, these are the, abil- the, the, those are, that's your, your talent tree to be the guy who just regularly does stuff like that and just seems like just tireless, you know, like, oh yeah, he just, you know, he followed me for three days without sleep and that's how he caught up to us, even though, you know, we killed his horse or whatever. I mean, like that, like the, the, those are your, <laughs> Those are your sort of like you know your 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 heroic characters, and it's just all about picking what cool thing your hero does, you know, that makes yeah. you great. And then inspire, of course, is just you know uh, we wanted to. Have, I really like this uh, one. I I'm, I'm a big fan of it. And again, it's another one adapted from some of the stuff we did for Blue Rose. Um, I think there is a a real place without replacing social mechanics. Without replacing role playing with mechanics, I think there's some really cool mechanical support for social stuff you can do. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things I liked about Dragon Age is it had it for things like connections and intrigue and all these things. And Inspire was just kind of the one that was sort of missing. And not entirely, there were a few little bits and pieces. But um, and so that was kind of why that went in there. Um, and then uh, and that's it. But we didn't we didn't go crazy yeah. with them. I I wanted to do. You know, especially since I, I admittedly went a little crazy with specializations. So when I went a little crazy with specializations, I didn't want to go too crazy with ta- new talents. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of those specializations, yes, so, we've got which is what, a great 22, yes. 23 new ones. Yes, we we do, and some of them are some of them are from Dragon Age, are, have been dropped from Dragon Age one or two um, that weren't in Fantasy Age and are now in Fantasy Age. Uh, there are a few that are from Blue Rose, and then there are a bunch of brand new ones. Um, mm-hmm. uh, including some ones that are like there, there's there are a lot of you know is it appropriate? I'm like Ooh, that's a question for a GM, but there's pros and cons mm-hmm. for both. And actually, the Arcane Dabbler, the first one, is probably one of the better examples of that. Which is yeah. which is because uh, for for those who don't have the book, uh, Arcane Dabbler is the ability to for warriors and rogues to take some magic, and um, it is. Potentially, it's it's great for characters. It's and um, mm-hmm. but it is a, because of how magic works in 
Dragon Age and how tied it is to the world, it's a it's a very potentially sort of game world breaking option. It's not so much that it's a that it's a game mechanic breaking option. Mm-hmm. If you let a warrior have like cast blood magic or something, you're all of a sudden opening up a real can of worms. Um, yeah. Also, also anything that inter- interacts with the mages with the magic rules will be using the fantasy age magic rules, which are different. They're similar, but they're different. And so there would be a lot, you would have a fair amount of adaptation. So anybody who's looking at the list of specializations, there's probably a handful of them that you might want to maybe not discount, but you're going to look at and go, Ooh, I don't know if I want to use these because the magic system is definitely different. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's ones like, for example, the bard, it's like, well, you already got a bard specialization. So you're not going to, you might, you're not, you're not going to necessarily use a different one, uh, which is Mm -hmm. somewhat adapted from it anyway. Um, But then you have ones like Beastmaster, which are wholly new. Um, yes, and also include, I really like this one. Uh, that's one of my favorites, and I mean, and admittedly, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shock anyone by saying that it was inspired by the Beastmaster. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, not, not just the Beastmaster, obviously. Like, the, there are a lot of characters yeah. with animal companions, and animal companions are definitely uh, cool. I always think are cool. Um, but, uh, but you know, the the idea, the reason it's called Beastmaster is because of the Mark Singer movie. Um, but. Uh, but that also leads to another interesting, another sort of, at least I think, interesting thing is one of the things we did in Blue Rose, and I have now since opened up on Fantasy Age, is the idea of class, not non-class restricted or partially class restricted specializations. So this is a really good idea. So there are certain specializations you can take regardless of your class, and there are certain ones that you can take if you are a member of a couple class, one or one or two of the classes, but not one of them. So, for example, Arcane Dabbler, which gives you magic powers, obviously there's no point taking it if you're a mage. But you can take it if you're a rogue or a wizard, or a warrior. It's not a wizard. Ah, that would be, sorry, I'm getting redundant. Um, but, for example, mm-hmm. Beastmaster is, is a, any class can have it as long as you meet the prerequisites, because anybody can have an animal companion. And even if you're running a very sort of D&D-style game, um, it doesn't actually, uh, when you start looking at the characters, you can actually start finding, like, oh, well, yeah, because druids can have animal companions, and they're kind of like mages, and they're like a version of mages, and rangers can have animal companions, and they're like thieves, they're kind of like rogues, and then, like, paladins get their special awesome warhouser mount, and they're warriors, and so, et cetera, et cetera. So that's your kind <laughs> of, like... Um, and that's and it's not just Beastmaster. There's actually several uh, open um, abilities. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. We did Champion, which is from Dragon Age. Again, it's that that one's straight out of Dragon. Yeah, Age. Uh, Commander. Um, I know some people really looked at me kind of quirk-eyed when I said Commander was a any class specialization, but um, I don't think that there's anything about commanding large forces and being an army that necessarily means that you're a warrior. Um, there, sure. you could to- you could totally have a mage. Who is like a great general and strategist? And I so, honestly really love the idea, the concept of uh, of a commander rogue. Yes. Oh yeah, and that's I mean, there's your special forces guys right there, and there's also yeah. and there's also your um and, and I mean I could point to characters in history that if you were, mm-hmm. if we broke everybody down into three classes, it's like, oh yeah, he was totally a commander and he was totally a rogue, and uh, you know a lot of the guys who worked in you know who were uh, you know various like partisan fighters and and you know, guerrilla fighters and things like that. Um, there's the Delver, which is um, Delver is probably an interesting one because it probably has some Dragon Age uh, application because it does involve exploring in like mm-hmm. deep places. So you've got that sort of deep roads exploration. But the actual sort of inspiration for the Delver, Delver was the sort of 
uh, sort of D&D style dungeon explorer. Mm-hmm. And the Tomb Raider and the guy who's out there for profit. And, you know, and, and since a lot of times making a bunch of money by exploring is, is usually at best a tertiary concern for most Dragon Age characters once the big plots start rolling around. Um, mm-hmm. Delvers are, are interesting because I think the skills could be interesting, but you may or may not find that that specialization is really... Now, that said, I think it's logical to assume that there is a lot, there's a small class of people out there that are doing exactly that in the deep roads and other places because oh, for sure. you know, we see it in the games. That, you know, There's that, probably that, a lot of uh, dwarves who do that. Probably, to go a find lot of, probably a lot of dwarves. A lot of the non the dwarves who don't take sort of the Legion of the Dead slash military slash whatever path and take more of the roguish sort of opportunist merchant path probably would end up sort of falling into the Delver sort of class. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, the diplomat, which again is any class because again anybody can be a diplomat. It's really a it's really yeah. a it's really a parallel skill set to what your class abilities might be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then there's the gangster, again, any class. Uh, the gangster is interesting because the gangster is really mostly um, for, you know, games like, you know, set in things like, you know, Thieves World, Lankamar, those kind of classic, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in Dragon Age, there is one group that just screams, oh, my God, we should have the specialization. <laughs> and I think that it's interesting. And it wasn't intentional when I was doing it. But it, but you know, looking at it, it really is. I mean, it's like this is your card. This is your perfect. Card, this is your card of specialization. If you wanted a card of specialization, here is your card of specialization. There it is. And right and, there. and that was and that was kind of a it was kind of amusing to me because I I, I originally envisioned the gangster as a fairly uh, as a fairly you know not everybody's going to use it. You know, not everybody mm-hmm. not not every not every game's going to want this, but I think it's a good idea. And then you know here it was, and it's just it's you know it's, it's the game it's the specialization that if you're running like a card of dwarf campaign, it's mm. the specialization that theoretically every every character might take. Take you know? it. Yeah, here. we're it's all taking. So we're all taking gangster, and then we're from then we're diver- we're diversifying. <laughs> um, uh, gladiator, which of course is you know just a class, yes. a staple and a classic, uh, that can also that can actually be very interesting for uh, the dwarves in Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Because of, folks who make a lot of visits to the proving grounds, yeah, yeah, and, and especially if they're sort of professional proving ground folks. Um, which is, uh, there's gunfighter, which of course is the one that really doesn't fit. Um, uh, but gunfighter, eh. because if, if you have guns, you're going to problems like you know. Um, again, it's like that would be your thing to look at if you're doing something like crossbow expert, like repeating crossbow expert. But again, we've mm-hmm. only ever seen Varric do that, so and he's right. already statted up and perfectly and he's, fine. He's got a very special crossbow. Yeah, and he's got a very special crossbow. So and, you know, and Mark, I think they're specifically trying to make sure that the stat, that the slightly like the blueprints for a crossbow like that aren't getting out. Yeah, right. Well, he he doesn't seem any. You know, if Varric wanted to, he would have you know made sure other people had those, and he he has made sure that they aren't. So um, mm-hmm. or Bianca probably or more accurately would have made. Sure they didn't get out um so uh then there's uh the hunter which is a rogue specialization hunter is um i mean hunters that's that's just an example of a a classic staple you know it's it's like there there are a few of these specializations are in there i don't think they require a lot of explanation why um i think also if you want to play a character in that type they will be very useful for you whether it's fantasy age or you're adapting it to dragon age um, yes. you know, if you want to play a hunter type character, you know who you are. <laughs> you know, you want to play mm-hmm. a you want to play sort of a rangery rogue, and here's your here's a way of doing it. Um, there's the marked uh, the marked are sort of uh, a nod to some more modern and slightly odder um, uh, fantasy settings where basically people have like magic tattoos or brands that give them special mm-hmm. abilities. Uh, there's nothing really in Dragon Age that that does that except for kind of the and I'm blanking on it now the uh, 
the the Quinari have those. Uh, the yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they they, um, they 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 basically have them instead of helms for mm-hmm. equi- for equipment slots that just kind of like hardens their skin. Yeah, and it's like so there is the argument of like that that something sort of kind of like that exists, um, but it's different. But it could be used as an, um, a modification, or of course the other possibility is just saying, you know, out there in the corner of a world somewhere, who knows what somebody's done with blood magic or whatever. I mean, it, it's it's not really outside their own possibility to believe that somewhere out there. That you know somebody's used blood magic and certain other processes to make basically like you know mystical lyrium infused ink and mm-hmm. and there is arguably there is a marked character in um, fair in, point in in Fenris you know he does there is a he he doesn't quite work the same uh, the the, the character is mm-hmm. done a little differently but it, it it's 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 the the precedent is sort of lurking and it's kind of what we're what I was saying before it's like Dragon of Hades has all these things sort of lurking in the background as a possible. And then you don't necessarily have to use them, but they're there if you want to justify it, as long as everybody's at the table and as long as everyone is going to enjoy it, um, you know, and, and not feel like, wow, this doesn't feel like Dragon Age anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see, we've got martial artist. Uh, again, yes. sort of self-explanatory. There's a lot of cool martial arts stuff. Um, this one is a rogue, a particularly a rogue talent. Um, that has a lot to do mechanically um, because of the way rogues fight. It just works out very well that they're martial artist. Um, uh, you can kind of do an unarmed fighter, brawler character as a warrior um, already. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of the way to make your rogue character a little more lithe and a little more, you know, a mm-hmm. little more kung fu, basically. Um, heavy, of, heavy armor doesn't quite work with uh, martial artist right. kind of aesthetic. Right, exactly. Um, uh, we got a necromancer. Again, with all the mage specializations, we run into the issue of, like I said, magic works differently. So I think that there's some definitely some cool stuff with necromancer but mm-hmm. it's like you've already kind of got like blood mages that kind of fill your sinister you know role yeah. in there it doesn't mean you couldn't use it it's just that th- those are ones i think are more useful for inspiration than direct adaptation mm-hmm. uh, and we've already technically got a necromancer for dragon right, age now right also also that yes because i've mm-hmm. also adapted which has got its own spells written into right. it and is uh, a bit more based off of i think the inspir- the uh what was it the specialization that came right out of inquisition yes and that was actually that was actually the intention like i actually got the preview uh uh, mechanic stuff from how it worked in the game on Necromancer, which is why it made it in. I Very asked nice. them to I asked them to send me some stuff uh, to put in the new core to update, and they sent me a few things. And they didn't send me all of they sent me all of them, but they didn't send me but they sent me the actual mechanics and the spells and stuff on Necromancer and a couple other ones. And so that's why those made that in because gotcha. I was able to sit down and say, okay, cool, let's do Necromancer because that's all that sounds really cool. And so my Necromancer then sort of got then readapted then for Fantasy Age which uses a different magic mm-hmm. system. So there's no real reason yeah. to not use the already existing Necromancer. Um, there's a Paladin uh, which is I mean that runs your again we're running into the do you want to give magical type abilities to a character because you know a Paladin really is a character mm-hmm. is a character that's getting sort of faith-based divine magic to supplement their warrior abilities. And if that's cool... There's not really like a divine magic source you can really work with in Dragon Age. And so if you're doing that, you're probably... Like, that's a huge plot point, and it would be a big deal. And that's fine if you want to make that a focus of a game, but it would be a very hard sort of casual thing for a character to have. Um, I can see it maybe being like something for like a like a justice type character who is yes. uh, maybe like they've got spirit powers but yes. they're possessing a corpse. That could be a way, and you could definitely use it as a base and then adapt from there. But you probably mm-hmm. want to be some do some fairly heavy adaptation. Uh, the, yes, uh, the outrider, which is sort of your barbarian sort of uh, 
mostly mounted character. Um, mm-hmm. we, it, you know, that's an interesting one that because of the way that the games are usually set up, we don't see a lot of Dragon Age mounted combat, but we know it's there. Yes. Like, like we don't you, we don't spend a lot of time playing it in the video games when we all sit down to play Dragon Age, mm-hmm. but we know it is there. We we, yes. we know, and and it's not like you. I mean, in Inquisition, there is the ability to like use a horse, um, somewhat. But um, but the idea is, you know, but it's not a core part of the game. And, mm-hmm. um, and this is a great way to give folks who don't want to be chevaliers right exactly. uh, a chance to be good at and, and, and combat. Yeah, and the outrider is kind of the to be fair also is sort of the 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 more generalist slash faster scout friendly sort of less chivalrous mm-hmm. chevalier too. I mean, he's it, it's the idea of yeah, you're great at mounted combat, but I'm you know but you're also a knight. <laughs> And I'm no knight. I'm just a guy who's, you know, really good on a horse. I'm a messenger. I'm a scout. I'm a, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, also, and this is something that a lot of, I'm sure Dragon Age fans are, are, are compl- of the RPG are fully aware of, and Fantasy Age works the same way. Mm-hmm. Because you have multiple specializations you can theoretically take, you do sort of create your own character, quote, class by a combination of your actual class and the specializations you end up taking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you take a outside outrider and a diplomat, then all of a sudden you've made this yourself this sort of, um, you know, this sort of herald character, this sort of messenger character. Yes. You know, that's you, you, you've uh, if you become if you make yourself a gangster and an assassin, well, you're pr- you're pretty much you know you're, you're fantasy John Wick. Um, yeah. But if you're um, but if you make yourself say an assassin and a diplomat, well, then you're James Bond. You know, Ooh. and um, I mean, theoretically, I mean, I turn mean, it around there. I like right. It. I mean, I think you we, and, and I say that. And of course, then, you know, I, I say that and we also have spy. But, you know, so, so that's mm-hmm. a so that's a so it's also so it's a, some things a great and terrible example at the same time, because there is also a spy specialization later on. Um, right. But there are pirates and another one. Of course, obviously, Dragon Age has yes. pirates. They, they mm-hmm. have whole pirate pirate like kingdoms. We, of course, Isabella was a pirate. I mean, um, you know, she, she was definitely one of the characters I was thinking of, you know, when I was doing yes. pirates, she wasn't the only one, but I was like, Hey, you know, pirates, um, uh, the ra- the waking sea Raiders. Exactly. That background one of these days. Exactly. Um, the, the razor are, uh, small blade combatants. And I was excited to see this one. I thought this is a really cool idea. Uh, the razors actually are based on the fact that I've been studying for the last couple of years. I have been studying, uh, Arnis, uh, Filipino martial arts. And, Ooh. Um, I have got a newfound respect for the the short blade in the right hand. Fair enough. And um, and I and I also have a newfound respect that while the size and weight of a weapon is definitely important, and there is certainly a conceit in fantasy games where it's really important, um, you can do a lot of damage if you know what you're doing, particularly in close quarters. With, mm-hmm. you know, these sort of, you know, to use the old D&D nomenclature with these sort of 1D4 type weapons. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to do a specialization that took the rogue, the rogue's sort of go-to weapon, the dagger, the knife, the short blade, and say, yeah, you know what, it really kind of doesn't matter if you've, you know, if you've got a short sword or a knife or whatever, if you fight right the way, you're going to be dangerous. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know and where it, to put the stabbing right. end. And it's, and it's not over, and it's, and it's, you know, but at the same time to design it so it's not overdone. So, for example, you know, at the end of the day, mechanically, it lets you, it, it lets a, a rogue turn his knives and his, like, little improvised blades or whatever into basically the equivalent of a short sword. Mm-hmm. And then it gives them some cool abilities to work on top of that. And it makes him very dangerous, but it doesn't, you know, you're still going to worry about the guy with the greatsword coming at you. For sure. 
because he's still going to do more damage because he's you know, carrying a six foot long, you know, right, you know, six foot long sword that you know even if it was dull, it's going to it'll break you too. Um, uh, the seer uh, is is uh, the seer I like mostly. I mean, I like the seer anyway. The seer I like mostly for the fact that he is one of the few that has a special stun. Yes, um, I thought that was that was clever. Yeah, the seer basically is the character who is, and and there is precedent in Dragon Age for characters who have prescient dreams and and so to that mm-hmm. effect. Um, and basically, the, uh, the you know, seer is sort of the ability to sort of manipulate probability through some dice manipulation and some stunt manipulation um, based on sort of the vague prophecy that is so popular in both fantasy and reality whenever we have seen a seer-type character pop up, whether it's the old adage of, you know, a great army will be defeated or, you know, characters with maybe a little bit more actual accuracy and specificity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea was to basically do that and sort of create a character let you play that character you wanted. It definitely, for me, falls into one of those... I don't think you're going to see a lot of this character being played, but I also think that the, for the people who wanted something like this, they're really going to have a lot of that. This is what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've got uh, we've got one kid in our Dragon Age game that can kind of see the future, so maybe this is the spec he takes. Uh, yep. Um, the uh, we also have the Slayer, who is obviously um, you know into every generation and one is born, um, <laughs> and. Um, uh, but also, it's a you know, the the Slayer is basically a specialized warrior that is designed, and we see that again. This is a fantasy staple. Mm-hmm. I'm I either hate or for some reason have been trained to kill this type of creature, this type mm-hmm. of threat, this type of whatever, and I'm really freaking good at it. And maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not any better than a war than a than a warrior of my general class and ability, and anything else. But, you know, but if you need somebody to kill, you know, vampires, for example, then your name, you know, your, your last name better be Summers or, you know, your, you better be like Blade or, you know, Belmont or something like that. You know, there's your, you know, you, and because you're not going to do it better than those guys are. Oh, um, for sure. Or th- technically Gecko. Uh, if I want to go for a more modern movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually uh, thought that the Slayer would be perfect for Grey Wardens. Yeah, yeah, and it, that would also be great. I mean, that, yeah, oh yeah, Slayer would be a wonderful like focused darkspawn killer. Like I am, you know, or and you can also have, uh, you know, um, you could definitely. Have, I mean, also then there's, you know, you, you could even go for something kind of if you want to go something a little darker, an elven character who's you know Ooh. sworn revenge on the humans who've enslaved their people or whatever would Ooh, make a pretty would make a pretty good Slayer too. You yeah, know, for sure. I mean, you might argue for something like that. You also might just be an assassin, but you could do go that route if you wanted to. Particularly if they're since the warrior specialization would be a good thing to do for a warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Next, we have the soulbound. Soulbound is interesting because soulbound is there to sort of you do your warlock sort of corrupted character. Uh, there's already mm-hmm. mechanics to be for that danger in Dragon Age. Um, so, which means that the soulbound then sort of becomes this. Not very useful, but also potentially useful for your sort of justice slash um, characters or other characters where basically find a way to live with the thing in your head and find a way of sort of fueling your power and your magic through sort of an uneasy alliance with it. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you can, a little bit of win. Yeah, a little bit of win too. So you can kind of do that a little bit with Soulbound. So Soulbound is definitely not really Dragon Age facing as far as the specialization, but it can be done. Um, Spy is another any class specialization. Again, I knew people were going to be like, but that was actually the one most people were like, why isn't it a rogue specialization? Because anyone can be a spy. In fact, that whole point of the whole point of at the history of espionage is that you want anyone to be a spy. Like, like you yeah. want you don't want it to be a thing that only the slick 
super awesome rogues can do, um, which is why it's sort of a lateral set of talent abilities from sneaky abilities. It's more about information. It's more about intrigue and information gathering, and it's less about hiding and stuff. No, it's and it does involve infiltration and such, but it's not. Mm-hmm. The it's rogues not. will probably be very good at it. Oh but. yeah, I mean a rogue. If if someone that said I want to play a spy, what's my go-to class? I mean, I won't even hesitate and say it's rogue. But if someone were to say to me, I want to play a mage who's a spy, I'd be like, that's totally legit. You know, Go you might it. you might want to change a few up a few things. You might want to you know be you know make sure you have certain abilities and certain focuses aside from you know. But that's kind of what prerequisites are for too. You know, really like yes. the idea of you know if you have the intrigue talent, if you have the observation talent, if you have the decent communication and perception, you too can be a spy kind of thing. Um, there, we also have totem warriors, uh, which basically are the ability to sort of channel animal spirits and such. Um, these are kind of interesting because while they don't, they kind of sort of exist and don't simultaneously. Um, I think mm-hmm. you can make the argument that some of the Avar and stuff like that kind of might sort of have abilities yeah. in that vein, but they're also not like done, not presented exactly as we present them here. Um, I, but I think it could be. I think it's. I think it's an adaptable thing. I think it would just be much like most of these specializations. I think it'd be something you just have to talk about. Um, yes. So that's that's the specializations. I'm not gonna race through them, but I mean, I know there's a lot of them, and I wanted to at least give a preview of all of them. But I also mm-hmm. knew, you know, we we don't have unlimited time, so I wanted to make sure that we yes. got the, through that. Um, so that's that chapter, and um, yeah, it's a good chapter. Yeah, it is. It's actually, and I said that that was one I did pretty much entirely myself, and so I, I I'm pretty happy about the. Um, pretty pretty happy with how it all came together, and I was also very happy about the. Just, it was. It, it let me do a lot of my favorite little odd, odd or or not so odd characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of fun. Um, so let's see. We have. Uh, so we, uh, then next we, get, we get into the magic chapter. Yeah, I mean the magic chapter is is interesting because the magic chapter is both simultaneously probably a place of great inspiration for GMs who are willing and players mm-hmm. who are willing to do a lot of heavy lifting on their own. Yeah, especially because of the differences between yes. how Dragon Age and Fantasy Age magic works. If you are if you are looking for ideas for new spells, if you are looking for spells that fit certain themes, that maybe are touched more lightly on in Dragon Age than others in terms of like you know what type of what they cover, there are certainly going to be options. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, f- the flip side of that is they are all going to be presented and formatted and designed for the Fantasy Age magic system, which is noticeably different. Yes. And so you will have this sort of interesting thing where you'll be like, you know, okay, um, you know, there's all these elemental spells. Well, that would probably fit really well into primal magic. But you're going to need to make those, like, you're going to have to, assi- there's going to be some lifting involved. There's going to yeah. be some, you know, we got to come up with certain, you know, tests and spell power and progressions and et cetera. It's all going to need to be developed. Um, so, so the, the fantasy, so that, so for me, the magic chapter is probably the least useful, barring something that we've already given that already exists in Dragon Age and you already mm-hmm. have in another form. It's probably the least useful of all the sort of character-facing chapters mm-hmm. in Fantasy Age Companion. But it also has, for the person who really loves to hack and really loves to toolkit, it's mm-hmm. got a lot of sort of almost challenges. Like, here's a cool spell that doesn't exist in Dragon Age, but it's a cool idea. Do you want to try to make it in Dragon Age using this guideline? And the, you know, can you adapt this system? Yeah, and how I, could it fit? Right, and I think that that's a. I think that that's really where the advantage comes from. But I think the flip side of it is, it's like just you know, 
that's uh, but but again, it's 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 the it's the Arcana system, which is what is used in Fantasy Age, is, is totally different. In mm. fact, actually, Blue Rose, Fantasy Age, and Dragon Age all use completely oh, yeah. different magic systems. For it's sure. the one thing that's completely different. Um, I mean, there are some other different needs. Yeah, there are some things in there, like for example, um, you know, there's like ideas on cantrips and some other things using magic mm-hmm. in sort of fun little ways. I think that there is potentially some interesting mining for that for Dragon Age because I think that there are some times where. But I also think there's also that argument, and I think it's a pretty good one, which is magic is so not taken lightly at all ever in Dragon Age. It really Age. isn't. And so the idea that you would ever even use a cantrip the way it's tra- traditionally used from like D and D, I'm gonna l- open a door, or light my you know light my pipe because I'm too lazy to use a match or whatever is almost just it's you're you're literally playing with fire and to do it around the wrong people is to basically present it, present yourself as a mage who just abuses magic. And if oh, yeah. you were to do that, you, it'd be a very interesting character to play, but it might be a very short-lived character, and it would certainly be one that would make a lot of enemies, and also one where mm-hmm. your own party members, your own companions may start to look at you and go, I'm actually really concerned that you're dangerous. Because you, you, know, cause you, you just used your... Right. You, know, you just used fire magic to, like, cook our food, and, and we're not in the middle of a snowstorm. We're not dying. You did it because mm-hmm. you didn't want to go get like coals from the uh, from the fire from last night right and it's like you went and touched the fade for that that's what is wrong with you and then so and so that's kind of where minor arcana i think it has this moment mm-hmm. of like that's really neat and then you're like whoa i don't know <laughs> well, yeah. people uh, people are gonna get like when it's like, when you light that yeah. next fire is a demon gonna come out right exactly it's like congratulations you wanted to show off at a party to impress somebody and now we have a, and that's and now the city's overrun with abominations but at what cost yeah it makes it makes a great sort of schmo bad guy you know oh, the, for sure, the, like yeah. the guy who, like the the, the mage who, who doesn't know half, half of what he thinks he knows and basically now of course like, uh, if we go to Tevinter. Yeah, the story is probably well, quite different. Well, of course, yeah. To Vinter, they're like, well, we'll just use magic to they use magic to do everything as far as yeah. we can tell. But um, uh, let's see. Um, but we're also the artifacts section though in there, and the artifacts is actually the one. Ooh, it, yeah. The artifacts is the one part where I would say that it is that would be your sort of there's your bread there's your bread and butter slash you know there's your big payoff I guess in the magic section. Uh, If you're looking at this going, oh, I don't need these new spells, I don't need this new stuff, it uses a completely different system, Um, the artifacts, I think, might be where you you sort of say, aha, I won't completely write this chapter off. And and artifacts are presented a couple different ways um, because they're presented a couple different ways in fantasy. Um, They can be sort of like, they can be things that sort of progress and get better and more dangerous, but also more powerful the more you use them, sort of level up with you. Um, mm-hmm. Or they can be things that are unlocked through... Actually, it's technically three different ways. Uh, they can be unlocked through certain conditions. Uh, those conditions can be mundane, or they can be pretty daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can just come right out of the gate as fully empowered. And those are usually the ones that are incredibly dangerous because they can also be... They can be very, oh, yeah. unba- they can be very unbalancing mechanically for a game, though very interesting. Um, and they carry a very high chance of, and though all artifacts do, of the sort of ability of getting dependent, sort of your, your Frodo Lord of the Rings thing, of like getting dependent on mm-hmm. the artifact because it's it's sort of an, that level of magic can be addicting. I thought and, that, this, that, that, uh, that pr- this particular part of the artifacts chapter was very, very dragon Yeah, I mean it was, and, and it was, and I think one of the reasons why is it, it, it's such a resonant wonderful theme that falls through, f- lines up with so many like 
really great fantasy stories. It, I mean, it, it is the whole, you know, it, it is the cliche of with, you know, power corrupts, but it is also, you know, there's also an element there of when you channel that much energy or power or whatever, you can, can do amazing. just put it down? Yeah, you can do amazing things, but can you put it down? I mean, and, and when you think about, I mean, I think we've all had moments where we're like, yeah, I'd love to have this thing and it'd be great to do that. And it's like, yeah, but, it, but what about the next time you want to do that? You know, it's it, it's it's hard to think that, you know, I, I think people like to think that they're, I like think people think people like to think that that would be easier than it actually is. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had a if I had a ring that let me teleport, would I I'd probably tell myself I'd only use it when I needed to. But, but within a month, I would probably be teleporting across the street to get like something or just because I felt like it would be fun or just because it's a party trick or you know yeah. teleporting to the other room to confuse my dog or whatever I mean like seriously and <laughs> it's not hurting anybody yeah it's not hurting yeah, anybody and, and I wouldn't and I wouldn't necessarily and, and, and if there was sort of a an insidious thought of like well it's not really I mean this isn't like blood magic this isn't like you know this isn't like I'm not like calling on dark gods or anything this is just a, it's it's a tool and I, I use my tool because it's useful and um, you know artifacts kind of play with that a little bit um, like it. and also then of course you the idea that if you if it's a cursed artifact if it's really bad I mean that's where you start running into the problem of like you know it turns you into turns you into things or does things like you know start mm-hmm. you know turn, it's turning you know, the, the lich's eye is turning me into a lich I should have never plucked out my own eye and put it in there do you think um, you know, that, that, so those kind of classic blunders that you see in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so, that's, so the artifact rules in that case, and, and honestly, the artifact rules are pretty, um, they're generally pretty Dragon Age friendly. There yes. is, there's the very... first thing I thought of was, uh, the orb from Inquisition. Yes. And you would have, uh, and it would or... not, and, it, and you really wouldn't have to, to change much of those rules to adapt mm-hmm. to Dragon Age. They're, they're, they're very easy to adapt. For sure. Um, uh, see, then we have vehicle rules, um... Vehicle rules are kind of odd because we do actually see uh, some Quinari battleships and other things in Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, there's not a lot of use of vehicles in the way that they're sort of intended. And and these rules were always intended to be sort of outlier rules. For the folks who need them or want them, there they are. But, you know, we, we always knew they weren't going to be common. Um, and so... That was sort of so that so the vehicle rules were sort of in that that vein. The chase rules were a little more um, a, a little more generally useful uh, because you know you could be on a chase on a horse, you could be a chase on foot. Um, but the vehicle rules were always designed to be for certain things, but not for everything. Um, and then again, that's mm-hmm. that's that was always intentional. Like the vehicle rules started out as a thing we were going to put in for fans of Titan's Grave because they have vehicles in Titan's Grave because they have that sort of vaguely post-apocalyptic Thundari yes. style thing. And we then stopped and said, well, no, this, there, there, you know, we started, we could think of some other settings and other fantasy styles that would benefit from them. So that's why they got put in. But, um, you know, th- we never thought that they were going to be like this thing that pops up in, in all or even most fantasy games. Uh, they're definitely there to be sort of a, hey, have fun with this and go, you know. Um, the chase rules, again, are a little more, um, uh, a little more general in that sense. Um, and they do come with their own stunts, and they're kind of fun. And they're kind of fun. It's kind of like a mini game you can play. Um, so the chase rules in that regard, and they and I and don't require much adaptation from Dragon Age. You could adapt those pretty, pretty oh, yeah. easily. Um, the uh, structural damage rules also are in there. Uh, structural damage rules are they're an example of something that I think works almost completely. You don't even have to almost change. You almost, they almost completely 
are like self-contained, self-contained, and don't need any changes to work in Dragon Age. The only question is, and this is a question that I can't answer. Um, only individual GMs can answer that. Is do you need them? And the question is, you know, when the dragon is attacking the castle wall, do you care enough about the dragon doing damage to use these rules to model it? Or are you going to say the dragon's going to knock down the wall in five turns or five rounds? And this, and you got, unless you do something. And that mm. is something that is like what, one of, my, one of the, the jobs as a game designer is that sometimes you make things that you might not even use yourself but you know that somebody else might really, really like love having them for their own games. And the structural damage rolls, though I actually might use them myself, are an example of that sort of philosophy where you know I'm sitting there making stuff and I'm like going, somebody's going to want to know how long it takes an ogre to bash down that wall. And somebody else is going to hand wave it. These rules are not there for the guy who's going to hand wave it. He's already in a good shape. This is for the guy who wants to know, you know, if, if, my, if my group runs into an old stone hut to hide from this monster, how much time does that really buy me? You know, or, or, or what have you. And, and, that's what that, and that's what that's there for. And I, and I actually think they're pretty cool. Um, and they actually grew out of the Fantasy Age Beastery. Originally they were going to be used in the Fantasy Age Beastery, but they had to be playtested more. Um, mm -hmm. because, the, because we had so many large creatures in the Fantasy Age Beastery. We felt like we really should be presenting people with the op the, the the option at least of sort of modeling. How does the you know how do you keep the dragon from destroying the city you know or how do you keep the giant from leveling the castle? Well, I really liked this art you got of the Zenadrim right next yes, to the structural yes. damage. I love the Zenadrim, and he was that was one of my favorite. Uh, that was actually Zenadrim. Actually, was a, a character was a, a artist had sent us this illustration. We'd asked art, artist in addition to all the monsters that we designed, we asked all, the individual artist to send us an illustration of a monster they designed, and then we designed around the illustration. And the Zenadrim was the one that uh, one that came in, and I I just I exercised my designer privilege, the developer privilege was like mine and uh, <laughs> and came up with these sort of like because I love the, 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 the church on his back and the whole thing I was just like oh this is great so I came up with something to fit that um, and so then when we came doing the illustration for the structural damage rules I'm like it's got to be a Zenodrome you know, it's got to be the Zenodrome, you know, rampaging through the city with people. Um, and, and, and the Zenodrome is a great example of the time when you might want to bust out those rules. You know, when you've got something that, when you've got a creature that big. Um, the giants from Dragon's Inquisition. Or the really yes. big old dragons. This might be the time you actually want to bust those out. Um, but otherwise, but sometimes you can probably just go, you know, I don't, I don't need to know how long it takes 20 Darkspawn necessarily to knock down a keep. But I might want to know. How long it take? How much time I've got before this dragon, like before the arch demon, like bowls everything over? And so, uh, so that's uh, always got to worry about that yep. thing. Uh, so we have relationship rules, which um, I mean, like I said, they're going to be in phases of Thetis. So mm -hmm. um, I'm going to kind of really go through these, and they're they're already in blue rose. I'm going to go through them really, really mm -hmm. fast because people are going to see them otherwise. And when when I'm 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 happy to come back and when Faces Thetis is out, we can talk about them more. But, for sure. But basically, uh, relationships are there for to give you sort of the mechanical benefits for creating and enhancing relationships with other characters. Which, of course, anybody who's played Dragon Age, the video games, know is a real is a is a real big part of Dragon Age. It's a big theme. It's yeah. a big mood. And it's the idea of sort of like it's kind of that sort of swashbuckling Princess Bride slash you know old movie style of if I'm really 
you know, I'm, I'm a motivated hero who can do great feats, but wow, if you, like, kidnap my, you know, if you kill my father or you kidnap my, you know, my wife or husband or you otherwise do something that impacts the people who I care about, now you're really in trouble. And it mm-hmm. sort of allows you to do that sort of dramatic-facing inspiration. And also gives you a, a little bit of a mechanic also to sort of map to, you know, these are the most important characters, concepts, organizations, people in my life. Which gives you a little bit of... I'm, I mean, uh, D&D's got bonds uh, now. That was a new thing they added for 5e. Um, you know, we, we've had some other games that sort of had those relationship mechanics. Uh, uh, Smallville, the Smallville RPG had a whole section on relationships, and relationships a lot of times were a major mechanical, like you couldn't even effectively roll sometimes unless you could somehow tie it to how you felt about something or someone. Um, so, so uh, That's interesting. Yeah, so that's so, so, so this is obviously not as, as full-on, you know, frou-frou mm-hmm. high concept as that, but it is definitely falls in that regard. Um, so that's that. Uh, then we have um, uh, the section on creating and running NPCs. So I found this particular section very, very enlightening and very, very uh, useful for me as a GM. The uh, the uh, creating characters. Mm-hmm. Had the table with hidden aspects for NPCs, and uh, yeah, I um, I I don't know how useful everyone's gonna find it, but I really really liked the uh, NPC statistics by threat level. I thought that was that was definitely. I mean, that was one of the ones that we when we discussed that as a possibility, and I, I thought when you know when it was proposed to me by the. Uh, Malcolm Shepard, our um, the, the person, who, uh, our design, our modern age uh, developer who wrote that section, and mm-hmm. I thought that was a good idea. I was like, "That's cool." I think that really like brings a little bit of his um, his theory of design that he was, you know, bringing the modern age into, you know, the the creating and running of NPCs. But I thought it was very useful, and it was sort of a fun, a a a, a, a not incompatible way of looking at things that we, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it mapped what we were already doing. But it made a it brought a little science to the uh, to the art of threat levels, <laughs> which was kind of nice. So, yes, uh, I also really liked uh, that there are a couple of ways to handle um, special powers and uh, no, it was uh, specifically uh, magic points uh, and yeah. handling mana. Yeah, which is uh, and you see for both. Fantasy Age and Dragon Age specifically that have magic points and mana uh, values. It was both uh, very, very, very useful, I thought. Mm. Uh, with uh, options for like making it, instead of tracking all their MP individually, giving them cooldowns or um, encounter-based right. spellcasting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that there's a lot of useful things. And I think it's, I think like you said, I think you nailed it. I think where you said it's, like, I don't know if everybody will find that useful, but it is useful for people who, like, the people who, who look at those options and say, wow, this is, you know, very compatible or very complementary to how I, I like to run things are going to get a lot of use out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's a, a bunch of examples. Yes, yes. And and, and those are going to be useful regardless. Um, well, for sure. They require a little bit of adaptation because of the difference in mechanics, but, uh, you know, you get a lot. And, and they're mostly um, sort of mortal, uh, you know, human slash uh, humanoid threats. Uh, and that was mm-hmm. intentional because we already put out a bestiary. And yes. so I was like, you know, well, you know, why, why do we, why would we want to do a whole bunch of new beasts and monsters when we already have those? Um, but what we really could have, really needed was a few more, you know, ideas of like, you know, your evil, your evil sorcerers and your, you know, 
captain of the guard and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. very useful for Dragon Age, which involves fighting a lot of mortal, uh, fighting a lot of mortal adversaries, a lot of mortal and mortal shaped foes in in Dragon mm-hmm. Age, which is definitely a, a thing. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a very straightforward chapter in a lot of ways, but it's very useful. Um, yes. And I think that actually, by being, and I don't mean being straightforward in any way, shape, or form as a negative. I think that actually mm-hmm. makes it a very, very nice chapter to to use, particularly if you're looking to adapt things and you have to make a few changes because, you know, it's it's it's, it's very like here it is, you know, here 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 it is. Here are the basics. Move from move on from there. So mm-hmm. um, so and which actually segues pretty well into the next chapter about sort of you know adapting the rules. Because that's what the whole next chapter is all about. Yes, um, I really like this chapter. Yeah, this this is one of the ones that I actually wrote in, the, in its entirety. And I was actually, it was a lot of, a mixture of things I like to see in games and things, and and just a lot of discussions with players. And, mm-hmm. you know, and particularly players online who were telling me, you know, my game, I love this game, but our combats take too long. I love this game, but I feel like, I feel too invincible. Like we feel too invincible. They're, like it doesn't tra- capture the dark fantasy element. You know, I like this game, but I, I'm. You know, are, are we going to see the, more of the sort of you know high end dragon? You know, Dragon Age Two, Dragon Age, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, higher, more cinematic action that we saw. You know, that we see, and like all these different and, and not always compatible desires or questions. You know, people didn't mm-hmm. all want the same things. Sure. You know, some people wanted really, really gritty combat, and other people wanted to be able to, like, you know, have their characters face a whole, you know, swarm of darkspawn without more easily, and so that's kind of where we got with that, and, and so that's what, so, so this, you know, the play options chapter became an intentional sort of, you know, and, and I say early on in the chapter, I think it's in the sidebar, but I definitely say, for God's sakes, don't use all these at once. <laughs> like yeah, like first, a lot of these yeah, some, go back and forth on each other. Some of these are actually, you know, some of these are actually will actually cancel each other out mostly, and others will stack in ways that you do not like. Like, yeah, it, you, know, you can cut your you know cut health down to make combat more de- deadly and, and increase damage and reduce armor, and it's like all of a sudden you know every fight's you know all of a sudden it's, all of a sudden it's not Dragon Age VRPG, it's Dark Souls VRPG. <laughs> it's rocket tag, right? Right, which is fine, but it's like you got to know you're doing that, you know, because mm-hmm. if not, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're like, "Wow, we, we just we used to be able to fight these things and not mm-hmm. die instantly." Um, and 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 it works the other way with cinematic options too, you know. If you add action points and you add mobs and you add mo- the minion rules and everything together, along with some other stuff, you're you know you're going to be just a one man one man army but if you add a, if you add a bunch of them together you're going to run into the thing of like well that's no challenge you know mm-hmm. that's that's that <laughs> that was easy i i thought those four ogres would be a challenge um or whatever you know the we're looking at um mm-hmm. but yeah so but i i actually think it's a um and and then obviously there are also things that certain people don't want but are useful for example uh, wound penalties are a good example um, mm-hmm. you know, some people look at them and go, man, I don't care. I don't want to track them. They're extra things to track, which is true. They are extra things to track. Other people say, you know what really actually breaks my immersion in the game when my character has like 80 health points and I'm down to my last 10 and I'm fighting just as well as I was at 80. Like that actually is kind of throwing me off. And so these are the sort of tools to make you to, to tweak as you desire to make those things happen. Um, and, um, 
you know, it is something that probably involves a lot of the GM sitting down and figuring it, saying yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And also then looking at the players and saying, what do you guys want? You know, and, tr- and mm-hmm. let's see if we can use these rules to make help make it happen. So, um, I thought that the wound penalties, uh, specifically for Dragon Age, could work very well. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a lot of the early video games had mechanics where when you got a character back up from, con- from like falling unconscious, they came back with a wound. Yeah. They didn't come back at full fighting shape. Um, so while this isn't quite the same, it, it, it uh, emulates it in a and, way and that I think keeps you know, it going and, and keeps there, it exciting. And there's an argument about wounds that it creates sort of this failure spiral. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you always have to be aware of when you're designing for games. But also, there's a certain amount of realism slash genre emulation. And so you always, whenever you use those rules, you kind of have to find fun ways of doing it. Also, there's this practicality. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a thing that pop, pops up a lot is what we can easily apply at the gaming table is not the same as what a video game can apply. Yes. Because a video game can do all the math for you. Yes. And, I mean, like, for example, right now, um, uh, Pathfinder just put out their first uh, video game, the Pathfinder Kingmaker. And it Mm -hmm. takes, it does, from what I can tell, pretty much takes the Pathfinder rules and does them pretty much straight with minimal alterations and changes. Fair enough. That is, yet plays completely differently because it's you know here's pathfinder and i like pathfinder but it's a very math intensive game it's a very stat intensive game and all of a sudden you've got this video game where you can pause and take care of all the stuff if you want but it actually does all the math for you yes and so all of a sudden this you know this thing that like you're going hold on let me check this whatever is now being sort of managed for you and, um, you know, and, and Dragon Age, of course, has that thing. You know, there's a lot of math behind the scenes in Dragon Age that mm-hmm. we, couldn't, we can't just port directly because it's actually not, you know, it's, it's like computer game math. And so that's automatically larger. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not fun. Right, exactly. For and, most people. And, and it can also be really off-putting and it can also be very difficult for people to track. They can get very, um, you know, just confused and be like, I mean, Lord, Lord, Lord knows there are games that I adore that if I tried to, like, actually translate them directly and faithfully into a tabletop i'd be like this just doesn't work like it's taking me you know it th- this fun fast 15 minute you know battle that i fought in the video game has taken me four hours and right. it's just not and i'm just not enjoying it um so uh so there's there's that too and so so things like wool panels and stuff you know there was an idea of adding these things in but also kind of presenting them in ways that we hope are sort of like relatively easy to work with so Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also more rules for more, so in this making things more deadly we also have rules for making things more cinematic um, which uh, you know we have uh, added uh, action points and stunt pools are the two big ways we do that uh, action points are basically sort of a, a new resource it's a little bit like the conviction rules in Blue Rose if people looked at those they're modern age but the idea is basically it's a pool of points you can use to gain that extra boost at a critical moment um I actually think that they would make a pretty good companion to stuff like wound penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could, you know, say, okay, well, I'm going to have to worry about taking damage, like, you know, and and worry about getting hurt. But I also have this sort of dig deep resource that I, at appropriate times, I can keep that from being a serious drag on me, which I think has a potential to sort of like circumvent things. Um, and to, sell, to a lesser extent, stunt pulls do too. And stunt mm-hmm. pulls are, I mean what they sound like there are a pool of stunt points you can use and um they can you can use them even if their stunts aren't coming up normally 
or you can use them to augment stunts that you, the stunt points you've already uh, gotten. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you can feed the pool back and you can pull it back out. Um, it's designed to sort of also be a more sort of teamwork facing ability. Yes. Um, the ability people can everybody can contribute yeah. and folks will have to talk about like hey can I take a point couple points in the pool I mean to give to give an idea of a very very simple way in which this could work you could um, you know you could maybe maybe you smash that dark spawn with a with your two-handed sword and you really don't need those four stump those stump points you just rolled because mm-hmm. because you're gonna just murder it and you know you are um, but you really think your buddy's gonna probably need some help well, you could take if the stunt. You could push those stunt points into the pool, and then the character who needs a little push or needs a little boost or is trying to do something really dramatic that needs a stunt has that resource to use, and it kind of lets you sort of do that ebb and flow of combat, and also sort of represent on some level sort of tactical advantages shifting. So, it's it's kind of a cool. You know, it, it's it's um. It, it can be again. It's it, it like all these rules. It's extra things to track. It's extra mm-hmm. things to consider. Not everybody likes yes. that. But if you're but but if you like it and you want to use it, the rules are there, and it can really lead to some really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially because of the, I, I really liked the complications part of stunt pools, and I yes. felt like that would that in particular was also very Dragon Age. <laughs> you go, the GM can look at the players and th- and say, you know, is this going too easy? Yeah. Uh, do you want things to get worse? Because you know what world we live in, yeah. That's and that's actually a, a big thing. I do um, I do that in a lot of games that I've designed. Is the ability for players to look and say, in fact, actually that that direct ability came that direct addition came later. I was working on the um, the John Carter Mars RPG for Modiphius, which uses their two D twenty system, and they have a threat pool, and the threat pool is what you can you can grab points. Um, that the GM can use later against you, but you can grab them now to use for your advantage. And it makes things more dangerous down the line, but it helps you right now. And I really like that mechanic. And I didn't, yeah, and I, I thought, of, and I thought about doing like a threat pool and I said, no, 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 you know, I've already, I'd already put stunt pool, a stunt pool in as an option. I said, making that part of a stunt pool is just going to be a lot easier and it's not going to be, cause you know, you try to keep the number of moving parts down if you can. Yeah. Um, but that's actually where that came from. That came from like my work on a different game, um, nice. and I and, and also I you know you, you, this is not a new thing. I mean, fate has you know, activating complications aspects for a complication, or compelling it for a complication. Uh, a lot of games have complications. Uh, Meet some masterminds has getting hero points for complications. So so a lot of this was taken from other games, including some other green running games. But what I liked about it was it really kind of created that sort of fun. Um, you know, that fun ability to sort of drum and 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 in, like in all these roles in this in the chapter too, I think to to some extent or another, with the possible exception of just making combat more or less lethal, which is more of a dial you want to turn, mm-hmm. are there for the people who want to make the games feel a little bit more like the source material from a from a sort of a less from a mechanical standpoint, more from a feel like I want to have that moment where my character does this like this character in the video game did. Mm-hmm. And the ability to call on stunt points sort of when you, on demand or spend an action point to do something cool makes it more likely you can have that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's really what they're there for. And it and again there are going to be people who don't want that. You know, there are people who do not enjoy and, I, and this is fine. There are gamers that do not enjoy like if the dice don't come up my way then I don't want to tweak them 
I want the I want to I want to go with what the dice do, and I'm going to go with what they say, and yeah. that's what I'm going to enjoy. And so those options aren't for them, you know. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of what the but, but it's a whole chapter of stuff like that, basically. Oh yeah. yeah. So that's that's the playoff conception. Oh, oh, also there's one more, and then there's also. So then we move on to the the mobs and the minions, which I sort of yes. mentioned before. Uh, mobs and minions are two different ways of basically taking um, lesser foes and making them both a little bit more, a little easier to handle, and also potentially still a threat. Um, minion rules are basically a stunt rating that you can use to take somebody out. Um, they're loosely based around the stunts that in that I think like when when giving a, a minion a, a, uh, a minion rating I sort of suggest and this is actually in the campaign builders guide um, the next book we talk about this even more um, you if you're trying to figure out like what's a good minion rating or whatever for a character um, it can sometimes be really useful to say well how would I sort of cinematically take this character out and it's like, if I'd cinematically take him out by hitting him real hard, well, maybe it's just, a, you know, maybe he's just got a, min, a rating of two, which would be the equivalent of a Mighty Blow. Mighty Blow, right. yeah, yeah. Um, well, but if I got to behead him or something because he's like a, you know, a vampire or whatever, or stake him through the heart, maybe I need a lethal blow to do that. You know, so maybe that's a five point. Maybe this guy's got, maybe he's hard to take down. And then the characters can always just be beaten down regularly by their health. But Minion lets you just say, and they're gone. Um, so, like, for example, a gargoyle might require a mighty blow, but also a pierce armor because they're made of stone. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and so, yeah, and so like, well, we'll add those two values together, and that's Minion what you're... Rating four. Right, exactly. And it's just a very basic sort of thing. Um, not everything works perfectly that. Sometimes you might just want to say, ah, oh, you know, they're schmoes, they're minion waiting one, they're minion waiting two. Um, but the idea is basically to let someone, you know, do that thing you see. I mean, actually, I, I, there's a lot of things I could use as an example, but I think my favorite example that currently coming to mind is from the bit in the princess bride where uh <laughs> where the uh the count rugen sends his men after inigo and he just like boom 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 kills him just no no fanfare no nothing he he does it with immense mm-hmm. flair but he does it literally in like you know stroke 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 dead and they I all drop. That movie. And I, that's a, a wonderful movie. I love it. And it's and there's a lot of old Swashbuckling movies that have that sort of treatment of lesser threats. Um, and what I loved about it was, you know, I think, and that's kind of what minion rules are for. You know, the idea of like, well, how do I defeat these guys? They're not really important. They're there almost as a pacing mechanism or as a stopgap or a delay. Well, yeah, you could run through this long combat, but you could also have it be that like, I'm fighting these guys while the villain tries to get away. I'm fighting these guys while. This other thing happens. I'm holding them off while this other thing is going on. Um, minion rules are very useful for that. They're also just useful, for, honestly, for making your P- PCs feel like badasses. If for you sure. if you want to make your character feel like a badass and you just don't care that much about the threat that you're throwing at them, other than to illustrate that they are badass warriors or mages or whatever, uh, minion rules and mob rules are both a great way to do that. Uh, mob rules work similar but a little bit different. Mobs basically, you take an enemy and you turn it into a mob. So instead of one dark spawn, you have twenty dark spawn or ten dark spawn, and there's basically a, um, a um, the blight has come. Yeah, exactly, and and so you have the ability to sort of go through the and and so the idea would be basically you take a, a base template of a monster or a character, you add to it, which gives it extra health and extra damage that it can do, and also gives it kind of a for lack of a better word an area effect damage, where if the mob is in you know if you're in a in a room. The mob can attack you and all your buddies because 
it's a bunch of guys, you know, or a bunch of girls, or a bunch mm-hmm. of but a bunch of armed people, or a bunch of monsters. Um, but of course, when you take it out, you do damage to all of it because it's less about I do damage to that guy than that guy than that guy, and more like I break the mob, which you either do by defeating them all, but you could do it, they might run away, they might you know you can abstract it if you want. Um, but again, it's another way to make a character feel really badass because it's like I just fought twenty guys and won. Um, but they're still dangerous, so you're not just like mm-hmm. you know making it. And, and and it's the same thing with the minion rules. It's like minion rules don't affect the damages that they can do to you. They don't affect their chance to hit you. They don't affect anything else. They just make it easier to take them out. So you still have to worry about getting shot at or stabbed. Mm-hmm. That guy or could set still on roll fire. six stun points. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so that is always a thing. He said, but the flip side of it is that you can you know you take it out. So that's that's my minions and mob rules. I'm a big fan of those in various games. I try to put them in basically almost every game I work on to some degree <laughs> because I find that either I like using them, and I find a lot of GMs like using them. And I like using them, yeah, personally. And so, and again, if it's like if people don't like using them, that's cool. I'll never tell them that they're doing it wrong because I've played some games that don't have them, and they can be really fun too. But they're a rule that I like having as an option, and I'm a huge fan of optional rules too. That's the other reason why mm-hmm. I was really while I volunteered to write that chapter myself was. Um, I am a big fan of optional rules. I, I like I like making optional rules for games, and I like using them, and I like presenting them to people, and I am never bothered when somebody doesn't want to use a particular optional rule because that's why they're optional. And I and that's I even point. and I even view a lot of op- rules in games as optional. Like it's just that something's got to be the default rule, you know, because there's got to be a default just because you got to pick one. But then, yes. but but I don't. But I, and I've had people be like, well, you know. Why was this the optional rule, and why was that? Why was this the regular rule? I said I don't know because we had to pick one to be the regular rule, one to be the optional <laughs> rule. But I'm not because that one came well, first. Well, which one's be- which one's better? I'm like uh, I don't know. It's it's it, neither one's, one's better. better. For you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then we have uh, stunt packages, which are um, I actually really like stunt packages. I thought they were a very useful addition. They are something that came directly out of something we observed while running games and talking to people mm-hmm. running games. Uh, they are also, and I, this is the thing I will say because I've had people get confused, they are not a new rule set. Yes, and there are this peop- is more like a convenience tool. Yes, they are a convenience tool, and they are particularly for newer players or players who get option paralysis. Uh, we have found they are very useful for this. They're, I think they do some other neat things, but they are not new rules. And when I because I, when the when the game came out, there was a couple of people that were like, well, "What's the point of these? I don't need these." And I'm like, "I am so glad you don't need these because I have run into so many players who do need these and want mm-hmm. them. And you've internalized the lessons that this section has given you, and that's fantastic." Um, basically, what a stunt pack, stunt packages are is they're collections of pre-made stunts and suggestions of using stunts. And basically, here's what they cost. Here's what they do. Grab that and go. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that this was just fantastic, yeah. and uh, I actually really liked the idea of uh, taking multiple stunts and making your own packages for your own characters. Yeah, uh, because especially then, because for my uh, my fantasy setting that I'm writing, that is going to be uh, very very anime. It means mm-hmm. you can give them you can give them cool names. Right. No, exactly, and. Um... There is a little bit of that sort of combat combo idea too, um, and and also and, and I what I liked about it is um, a lot of the a lot of stunts people have asked for, well not a lot but a, there's a subset of stunts people have asked me to put in the game that are actually just combinations of different stunts, mm-hmm. and this was also an opportunity to show that off. With well, for you know, for example, um, I mean a good example of this would be and it's it's a pretty simple one, um, you know disarm and uh like knock prone 
would be a good example mm -hmm. of a combo where it's like, I take away your weapon and I knock in your butt. You know, or I throw you to the, Steph. or I throw you to, the, or I do like a like a judo throw or whatever, and in, as part of that, you drop your weapon. You know, that's a that's a you know, and and some people would say, oh well, yeah, of course, I I do that all the time, but there are people who will, you know, I've seen this at the gaming table, and 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 they get and they get self conscious, or they're not having as much fun, or people think, you know, people are like, oh, why are you taking so long? Because they've got like four stunt points, and they really know what they want to do with two of them. And then they've got two stunt points. I don't know what I want to do with these other two points. Mm -hmm. And that happens a lot. I see it a lot. And it's it's because the stunt, the dice don't have any intelligence. They don't know how many stunt points you really want to roll. Right. And so when you roll it, you're like, well, well, dang, I had a really great idea for three stunt points, but I rolled six. And I just don't know what I'm going to do with these other three. Because, you know, and it's especially for... Um, for very for like uh, you know role playing stunts and exploration stunts, because mm -hmm. you know and because those are a lot of times are are very much like I really wanted stun silence, I didn't really have an idea for anything else, you know, <laughs> or I really wanted you know, I really wanted the the speedy search because we're trying to get out get this and get out of here. Didn't really have an idea for what else I was doing, and um, and then also the idea of course that you can you know and this is sort of a reminder and I think this was a useful reminder I, I actually uh, Joe Carricker, our Blue Rose developer uh, when I when I did the hybrid comma when I did the hybrid and combination stunts he was like oh my god I completely just I'm, this is going to sound so silly but when I play I don't think to use stunts for multiple tables and I'm like well yeah but you can he's like well no I know that I just never thought to do it. <laughs> I I mean I've had players who've had that same exact same thought and I always look at it and I always think oh yeah I could do that right. especially when I looked at like the I, I really really loved the idea of the imposing threat stunt where you uh, cast a spell make an imposing spell which makes it yeah. difficult for people to attack you but then you use a threatened stunt to ask them to attack you yeah. anyway and so that basically they have to attack you but they're all like uh, which right. they, so their heart's not in it so it's harder for them to hit you and that's actually mm -hmm. I mean I thought that was like a really a really clever and powerful combo right there. And then, you that know, I wouldn't yeah. have considered my a lot of folks won't consider because yeah. it's not on the same table. Well, and there there are some combinations that are that are very much like like that in there and um you know, one of the reasons why I came up with so many with with, with those and and some of the other examples was I I think the stunt system is a wonderful tool for the game. I think it's one of the great features, but I also think it's the place where the players often surprise me. And I think, or or other GMs or other people, where they'll do something, mm -hmm. and I'll be like, "Wow, I'd never actually considered using that particular combination in this particular situation." And um, you know, and sometimes it's very simple stunts, and sometimes it's much mm -hmm. you know much bigger ones. I mean, and obviously some of the combinations are pretty pretty standard. Like for example, you know, um, uh, lightning disarm is a good example of that. Uh, you hit somebody twice, and you disarm them. Well, I mean, anybody who's watched any sort of modern close combat training will know that if somebody comes at you with a sword or a knife or whatever, you a lot of times are basically, you know, you hit them and then you hit them in the wrist, you hit them in the arm, or you hit them in the face and you hit them in the arm and then you take the weapon away from them. So it's a very sort of Jason Bourne sort of thing, you know, to, to do that. Um, so that, you know, that's a very simple one. But then there's also, you know, but then there's ones that get a little, you know, a little nuttier. Um, mm -hmm. along the way, like you said, there's an intimidation, you know, one, uh, there's one of my favorites, which is sit down and shut up, which is stun silence, yes. and st stun silence and knock down, which is basically you, you know, knock them to the ground and you know, you basically all of a sudden they just fall silent. Mm 
or someone watching them fall silent and basically you get That's this hush one. in the room. I like that one. And it's like I don't I mean, is it you know, and it's it's also a great thing where it's like maybe the stun silence is or isn't a really, really useful thing to use right then. But maybe but it's certainly a great moment. Mm-hmm. Like it if makes you, a moment. It makes a moment, and sometimes that's that's more important than how much damage you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the same thing with like. Uh, I love. You know, I'll take you both on. Yeah. I I I, compl- I always forget that you know this way the crowd could be used for you know you're making a test to threaten them anyway. Yes. Yes. You could hit two people with it. Yes. There's also those. There's um. There, there's also. Or if you've got like uh, the oratory talent journeyman degree, you could taunt like three people yes. at once. And there's also the fact that these do. You know, these are the default. You know, they're presented as the default uh, cost. But obviously, if you have ways of reducing the cost, this is also where we kind of go back mm-hmm. to what I said about the specializations. When you start getting higher level characters and you've combined multiple specializations, a lot of the specializations give you bonuses to stunts. Mm-hmm. And when you and start you're generating more stunts because right. you're higher level, and when so when you start getting these stunts that are become very inexpensive, relatively speaking, because mm-hmm. you have this ability and this ability and this ability, this talent, this specialization, um, you start creating these really interesting combos that you can do pretty easily, and they become sort of your signature moves, and it creates and and, and you know the the the, the stunt packages are sort of your first lens into that as a player. You know, this is how we use it, but it's like, but then people start going, well, you know, I, I, I use this defensive shot, for example, a lot. You know, where I reload my bow very quickly and I take a defensive stance while I'm shooting. Maybe I should look at, you know, things that will let me use that more effectively. You know, or I use, you know, um, you know, uh, for example, um, a lot of the exploration and, uh, and, and, Sort of hybrid role playing all these stunts. You know, there's a lot of ways you can see. Like, so for example, like I take you both on is a good example of that. Um, but there's also ones where it's like, you know, um, uh, a composing threat. You know, you get the imposing spell and the threat, and it's like, well, if you have the ability to reduces the 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 uh, cost of either of those stunts, you can pull that out a lot more fa- more frequently, which means your character is a lot more intimidating naturally. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of sort of sort of then develop this reputation of this intimidating mage. You know, where where and, and and it's kind of that the idea the idea of by presenting these you have the ability to kind of use these more and more as you you know and and also it you know I I hope that what we'll see is that when people hit twenty and they get that great you know pick a whole class of stunt and knock a stunt point off of it by then people will say well they may not actually I think a lot of people say well if I'm a mage I take magic if I'm a warrior I take you know combat combat yeah maybe. <laughs> But you might also find Maybe. people saying, you know what, I've already got talents that knock my go-to combat powers down. I'm going to take role-playing, because I found, through using your stunt packages and everything, I use the role-playing stunts to augment my badass combat stunts all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the kind of stuff that you can do. So it's, it's, it's a useful, but, but again, it's a, I think it's an incredibly useful, useful um, chapter for people who like, kind of want and need that. It is in no way, shape, or form fantasy age-dependent. You can use mm-hmm. you can use it in any game, any age game that has stunts. The only difference would be that you might, you know, the, the cost might change slightly, and a few things might mm-hmm. shift. The name might change. Um, but yeah, the name might change. But um, yeah, but 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 so that's actually a chapter too. That if you pick it up, if you pick up Fantasy Age Companion for Dragon Age, you can use that chapter pretty much just as is. There, there isn't an, there isn't like a point where you're going, man. I have to redo everything. No, you really don't. There, there might be some chapters where you do, but that is not one of them. 
<laughs> or, or sections where you do, because that's technically part of it. You just section. accessorize yep, it. Exactly. Uh, and that sort of brings us to the end of the, the, the campaign, uh, the fantasy companion. Then. I mean, we kind of obviously make it sound like, oh, and that was nothing, but we talked for like quite a while uh, about yeah. it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the book, and it's, um, I, I mean, it was designed to be a fantasy age companion. Obviously, it says that on the tin. But, um, you know, it, there, there's not a, a huge sidestep over to Dragon Age. And it's got a lot of cool stuff. Um, like I said, there are some things that I would not, and we kind of covered them, I wouldn't use. But there's also things that, you know, if I if we ever got around to doing, like, on yet another, you know, revised core book or whatever, I mean, we might mm-hmm. see some of that gravitate in. Um, because I think that it's, you know, it's it's definitely could be used. And in much like I said, anybody who picks it up who's more familiar with Dragon Age and Fantasy Age will see things like mass combat and some of the stuff we glazed over here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, gee, those are those are already in Dragon Age. Yeah, yeah, they were, and they were great ideas, so we decided, you know, we robbed from ourselves to put them in there. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's... Don't fix yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's basically it. I know it's getting late, and folks have got to, like, you know, work and such and things. So yeah. Me, yeah, do other things. Do all the things. Um... Well, it was great having me on, though. I appreciate this. It was yeah, thank you for coming on. This is a great. This is great. It's, it's always great to have the folks. Uh, it's all. It, it's always kind of. It gets me a little starstruck, but it, <laughs> but it's appreciative. Just because you know, I I pick up the things that you folks write, yep. and I, I really appreciate them, and they give me a lot of good time and uh, a good time and. Uh, uh, in some small way, I hope that this is a thank you. Yeah. No, and I, and I, you know, and I I. I love talking to the folks who like, and I, and also, you know, there's a, and, and you know, before not to not to go off on a big long tangent because I'm you know, we're getting it's getting late when people have already been patiently listening to us for so long, but um, there's something in video games that I've seen in recent years that I think is great as sort of the the concept of sort of the content creator, the people who do the podcast, the people who do the you know actual plays, the people who run the games and put them online. And how that's become such an important thing about, you know, growing the community and, and growing the game and learning from, like, you know, and you see sort of things about how the game played that you, didn't, that you couldn't tell, even from regular playtesting, play because you see how other people interact with it. Mm-hmm. And so I actually am a big fan of that. I love that. I love talking to people and getting out there and, and, and doing this. And I think it's important. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think and hope that, you know, as gaming, tabletop gaming is sort of seeing a sort of renaissance, because it is. Um, mm-hmm that the combination of sort of like the celebrity gamer, which is also a thing and it has definitely helped. Um, but also the sort of the content creator is sort of an additional part of the whole process is great. And so I, I love coming on these things and doing this stuff because it lets, you know, cause it not only does it let me talk, you know, kind of reach out to people and explain where I'm coming from and such, but also mm-hmm. you know, it is part of the whole process. You know, there are definitely things that are, there, there are things like, Hey, this is, this is a cool idea. And this is how this person did it. And this was cool. And this is how it worked in our game. I'm like, okay, cool. And maybe I won't remember every little bit, you know, that I could sit down and, and put it in verbatim into something. But I guarantee you that, you know, I'll be sitting down writing something in a month or two and something we talked about will spark in my head and I'll go, that's right, we talked about that and that's a good idea. And maybe we should look at exploring that. And it's and the more you engage with other people and, and mingle with stuff, the better that is to do. And I think that, and, I, and it's everything from all the way up to the top to the developers and the writers who work on the products that get published all the way, you know, through the podcast and the streams and everything, all the way down to just the folks playing at their table. And I think that that creates a really great, like, environment for for gaming and i think that's where gaming's real strengths are and so so yeah it's interactive yeah exactly it's, it's interactive within the interactivity and helping other folks interact with the interactivity <laughs> and it just 
It's this, it's this big focusing chamber. There's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of interact. It's like we, we, we used interact a lot in a sentence, but it's because it's so important. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but, yeah, but, but anyway, so that's, uh, but, so that's the Fantasy Age Companion. It's, it's been out for a while, but it's still, a, you know, it's still the newest book until the next, uh, the next uh, until Campaign Builder's Guide gets its uh, last final bits of art and layout done. Um, and then, um, and it's uh, for, for Fantasy Age, and it will be, uh, well, Faces of Thetis coming out, coming out real soon. Uh, for Dragon Age, but there, and so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at, and, uh, then hopefully at some point I'll be able to come back on and talk about faces, and we can also talk about other stuff, so. Yes, absolutely. All right, cool. All right, well, my, well, my, my so dog, my on. dog is barking in the way that usually signals <laughs> the end of the interview, so I uh, should, uh, Yeah, it's uh, very convenient. Yes, um, but well, it was great having me on, I appreciate it, and to all the folks listening, thank you so much for listening to me kind of go ramble, ramble, I'm also a little, also as I've had kind of a long day, I'm a little less animated as I... Sometimes them, so I hope I wasn't mm. too dry or anything for anyone. So, um, but I wanted to make sure we got through all the info. So, yes, right. I think we did. Cool. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and do the quick intro, and then we can go ahead and stop recording. Sounds great. Uh, uh, if you like what we do, please consider supporting us on our new on our Patreon. If you support us with only three dollars per month, you can vote on our Patreon only poll, which is worth twice as many votes as the other polls. And if you support us with five dollars a month, you can hear the episodes a week early on Patreon. Anything you contribute is appreciated. You can find a link to our Patreon on our blog and in the post for the show. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on our social media. Feel free to leave a comment or a question, or even tell us how your Dragon Age games are going. Feel free to comment on our show on SoundCloud, and if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. It really helps us out. Uh, this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that Dragon Die. And uh, I, I see. I, I, tech, I messaged you earlier about uh, how we uh, we forgot to tell you the, about uh, outros. Yeah. Last time, I don't know if you uh, had the chance to think about one. Really didn't. Uh, I've kind of t- today's was in kind of a kind of a wacky sort of like day, so haven't Fair really enough. found one. Um, I'll have one for next time. I promise. All right. I don't. Next I don't time. know what it'll be yet, but I'll have one. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. All right, All man. Right, well, thank you again so much for coming on, Jack. No, I, absolutely, it was wonderful. It was uh, it was great seeing you. Uh, great talking to you again. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get to see you with some more flattering lighting. <laughs> <laughs>